ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to face2facegames.com. Hey everybody, Brian David Marshall, Z Moshowitz here. Uh, it is, well, you know, it's another weekend, so it's got to be another Pro Tour, right, Zvi? <laughs> Why quit now? <laughs> Feels like they've been coming at us uh, pretty fast and furious. New bands, new format. Let's go! <laughs> Mythic Championship 7 coming up this weekend. We are right now waiting for deck lists to get posted. Right. It's, uh, it's going to happen in the next five minutes. We Definitely the next seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so precise. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're excited to see... What's gonna happen? What What are your like, like, just before we see what they are? What are your predictions for what it's gonna? So be? before I knew about any one specific deck list, my prediction was one third cats. Yep. Twenty percent calves. Maybe ten percent blue red as my third deck, and then green rock adventures in fourth place, perhaps. But right. like, amongst the straddlers. Okay. Uh, since then. We've learned the Pantheon, a lot, at least a lot of the Pantheon people are running uh, red-blue. Okay. So is Jessica Epstein. Uh, so is Antonina DeRosa. Okay. Uh, and so the reason I picked red-blue to be third was because, first of all, I was facing it more often. And I've been facing it more often than I'd expect for a while. But also because that deck was being played on stream by a bunch of pros, and the pros seemed to like it a lot. And the reason the pros like it a lot is because... It's the type of, like, do just enough to get the job done. Let me use this clever sequencing to just barely win the game type of deck. And also, because Gadbook's a really good magic card. Uh, but the thing I'm looking for when the rankings are revealed, right? Like, yeah. when we see the deck list, is just how many red-blue players are out there. I think is the biggest... So you, you think right this, is the, this is the biggest mover for you as you've been watching over the last week? You've been paying attention to people's streams, seeing what people have admitted that they're playing. Right, and the question is, like, I mean, obviously the biggest thing we always look for are what are the cool rogue decks? What are the cool innovations? You know, like, like Luis Salvato has a ramp deck that of all of us have tried out because, you know, he revealed his rogue deck to the world and everyone's yes. like, let's run it, which yes. was, I'm sure, not to his benefit in the tournament, but was really <laughs> cool of him. And, and almost certainly benefited his streaming rap and his deck building rap. Right. And, Andre Strasky referred to this deck as the Abomination. And, and I'm not sure that's an inaccurate description given my experiences with it. It's very good at casting casualties of war and it's very bad at very much, pretty much everything else. Okay. I mean, it's Casualties just, of War is a quality magic card. I mean, it ramps and then it draws a lot of cards and casts Casualties of War and it hopes that Casualties of War matters enough. The problem being, like, if you're up against the deck where Casualties of War is a six-man removal spell with an incidental land destruction then you're doing, you basically just, you have a lot of air and a bunch of expel card draw. And like there are a lot of games where I draw a lot of cards with that deck and then I don't win the game because not much happens if Casualties of War isn't the card that you need. Right. And there are also games where you get run over. So it's really hard to pass up, you know, the Cat Engine, right? Like Trail of Crimes and Company. To do that, unless you just think this is the thing that's going to work. Now you uh, had a chance to work with uh, another longtime New York Magic Pro, Chris Pakula, 
helping him out a little bit before. Yeah, I tended to help a little bit with Chris Bakula. I helped a little bit with Antonia DeRosa. Okay. Um, you know, my door was open. I consulted with Brad Nelson briefly. Okay. Um, I mean, I, Brad didn't reveal to me what he was thinking about, but like, you know, enough information for me to like just help him get his head centered and like hopefully sure. make a good decision when he was deciding between the two decks he talks about on his latest article. And uh, he doesn't tell me what the, he tells me that one of the decks is, you know, one of the two major decks, his calves or cats. And the other deck is a road deck. <laughs> and so. Oh, come on, Brad. We, come on, Brad. I mean, at the end I said, I hope the road deck is the right choice and I hope you pick it. <laughs> because we all want to see the road deck. Uh, what, what are we going to expect to see from Chris Bakula? He did not have a ton of time uh, compared to maybe a lot of the other uh, more people who, who knew they were going to be in this tournament, you know, for months and months. Yeah, Wizards definitely could be faster in terms of deciding who they want to be the special invites. Uh, and that would give the special invite players more of a chance to prepare. Because someone like Chris Pakula didn't have the standard... Standard is not what they sit around and do all the time. Right. So by the time that Chris learned what he had to do, it wasn't really like... They, he didn't have a lot of time. So you have to look at the decks that are available. Pick one you think you can pick up and play reasonably and learn it. You don't have enough time to learn the format well enough to really innovate in an amazing way. The same thing happened when Brian, you yourself, got an emergency invite to one yeah. of the things championships. Even shorter window. And yeah. two, had two decks. <laughs> so basically, I was like, here are some decks you can choose from. Smash, and Brian spent the night smashing decks and figured out which two decks he wanted to play. And uh, did what he could. But again, you're not going to play great. You're not going to play perfectly because you're not going to have the time to prepare. Right. You're not going to have the tack. Right. Right? You're not, like, so like Chris is unfortunately forced to play a deck that everybody knew was going to be there. Right? He's okay. playing Cavaliers. Okay. And this is obviously the deck that probably bears some resemblance to the deck you went 6 with. It's very Rivals. close to the deck that I played in Rivals, yes. So uh, basically... How, how, did you, how do you adapt the deck moving forward uh, since then? So the biggest changes are uh, Sorcerer's Spyglass is bad now. Because okay. Casualties of War is everywhere that you want, ca you want Sorcerer's Spyglass. Letting your opponent draw an extra card. Yeah, like, basically Sorcerer's Spyglass that eventually goes away is basically a horrible magic card. If it goes away without taking a card with it. Because the point is to pay two mana and advance your game state and then win. But if it's just setting you up for this big destruction, then it hurts you in playing your incremental game that you were forced to play in that situation by way too much. So you have to not play Sorcerer's Spyglass. This enchant has to take that role. And the other big change is Shifting Ceratops is on the upswing. Okay. So you need to make sure that you have answers to Shifting Ceratops. So you have to have Justice Strike or Prison Realm... Even though I would just like that card, just, there are various choices you can have. Lava Coil was a thing, although I much prefer instant speed solutions if I can get them. Um, plus things that are more flexible. But you just you have to have a few good answers to Ceratops, right? You can't just have one or two sweepers because you're playing all these blue flyers that Ceratops just eats for breakfast. Right. So those are the two biggest things. And just in general, the problem of you're facing main deck answers like Bronzanon and Casualties of War out of cat decks and some other people. Whereas before, your game one fires was very safe. Uh, the other thing is that you're facing a lot more flash decks. So testing specifically against flash and trying to improve there would be very reasonable. Um, Bunkercher Giant and Sphinx. Like the, the change from the Pro Tour Richmond list to the Rivals list was a big upgrade against flash because flash basically doesn't change. But now we have a lot more cards that they incrementally have to deal with. Our deck plays a lot better without fires. Our deck plays a lot more must-counter cards. 
And Mokrojo Giant in particular is almost your best card against Red Blue, specifically because it kills Brazen Borrower incidentally, and it prevents them from playing their chip away, chip away, chip away game the way they'd like to. Okay. We have deck lists. We have deck lists. They're up. And we're starting, it looks like, a spicy one, right? So you'll learn, <laughs> you'll see them, you'll, you'll hear about them as we hear about them. All right, Alexander Hayne has Esper Control. So this is Kenriff played honestly. <laughs> Two Kenriffs. One hero of Precinct 1, which seems appropriate, right? How is, it's only one Precinct. Uh, so three elite guard, guard mages, which I've never liked. Right. Uh, four Teferi Time Ravelers and four Narsats. So that's why there's not that many creatures. Yeah. So there's four Narsats. Four Thought Erasures, a Duras, a Time Wipe, two Bolus's Citadel. There's our spice. I was just going to say, this, this deck clearly of qualifies as spicy. Yeah, I would call this almost, I, I would call this Esper Citadel almost. Like, <laughs> 27 lands, sideboard is a variety of control-y, removal-y, you know, answer-y things. A couple um, of Dovin's Vetoes, three Drown in the Locks, one Disfigure, one Despark, one Mortify. The first thing that I notice is that Planar Cleansing is nowhere. This seems like a huge mistake. Wow. On the part of Alexander Hain. Like, I don't... I mean, the, maybe the mana does not support it, but looking at the mana, I see 12 hard white sources and 13, counting the planes, and four fabled passages. It would not be that hard to find room for a second planes in the 75 and be able to play two or three planar cleansings. And that would vastly improve the cat. Like, like Sorcerer's Spyglass, you know, especially with no counter magic in the deck. Right, like this deck does not run counter magic, so right. you try to take casualties of war. It has a tiny bit, right? Like it has oh, a little bit down there. It has, it has five. Oh, drown in the lock. Sorry, we, we, the list got cut off. So yeah. three drown in the lock, two Dovin's vetoes. Yes, yeah. yeah. So there's some chance. Drown in the lock is interesting. There isn't that much support for drown in the lock in this deck, right? Drown in the lock is being played honestly as right, well. Right, you're just hoping that the game has advanced to a point where it's just a hard counter. Yeah, the deck is very much a. I'm going to play very powerful, car- powerful, incremental cards honestly, and hope it's good enough. And and it's Alexander Hayne. He tested. Oh yeah. He knows what he's doing in some sense. I am deeply skeptical of this list, this particular okay. list. So you sit down. You're 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 body swapped into Chris Bakula. You get to play your deck. You're sitting down against Alexander Hayne. How do you? Uh... Well, so they give me the deck lists, right? So yeah. like we see it. So I'm looking for first question. Obviously, is always how do they fight fires? Right. If I see it, I see okay. They get four Deferries to bounce it. They've got five discard spells. Right, the fourth order ratio under us. Right, and they've got, you know, five counter spells, two of which are hard and three of which are not in time. They can't counter fires on turn four. Right. Right, there's not going to be four cards in my graveyard yet. So I can try to run it out there. I also see just like, you know, Narset is their kind of A plan, right? Like to sort of, they're going to play Narset to Fairy, they're trying to get stuff on the board. But if I play Teferi on turn three and I follow it up with fourth turn fires, the chance that that's not going to work is not that high. Because there just aren't that many answers and they have to be used on Teferi first. Right? So, like, the, if they don't get discard spelled, the first thing is I want to, if I can possibly hide the fires right, with the Sphinx or something yeah. like that, I want to do that. But it's more a case of if I get the fires at the right time, I like my chances a lot. If I don't, I'm playing a lot of powerful cards. There isn't that much in the way of, like, blow you out uh, advantage here. Like, they can keep, if he can on top of a Kenriff, obviously, he can start using black mana, which is always scary. You, uh, now, we've talked about this a little bit, like, uh, the blue-black control decks versus the blue-white, uh, during, against some of, like, the blue-red right. control and the blue-white control. 
you you like these do you like these thought erasure based decks against a deck like the blue red deck that we If you about? can use those and the Teferis and the Narsets, which are must counter or worse. Yeah. And you have Bolas of Citadel as your finisher, like that's really, really scary, right? So you know, it's really hard to say. Like, but I'd rather be this than the blue white if it was if that was the matchup. I guess the cat deck, again, not having a planar cleansing is such a strange choice to me. Yeah. Right? There's sort of a, a, a handful of answers to a lot of things. Um, all right. So the deck, so the the first answer is, if we look at the... Um, the metagame breakdown. The metagame breakdown. The metagame breakdown. So we have 17.9% um, just guy fires. So it's slightly less than I expected, but very much in range. Uh, 13.4% Jun Sacrifice, 10% Golgari Sacrifice, so that's a 23. So that's 23, 24%, right? 24%, roughly. Cat. Right, I was predicting that more like in the 30 to 35 range. That comes in again. So basically, this, this, this is much more spreading the field, much more diverse, well, substantially more diverse than I expected. I did flash at number three, coming in at 9%. So the four MPL members and only two challengers. So the, the, the MPL players like Is It Flash a lot. And the challengers, for the same reason, don't like it because it can't come back. Right. It doesn't give you raw power. It's, it's just a tightrope, right? It won't play itself yet. Every game is a tightrope. I'm not just over in the with uh, the Brian Thorne cutthroat. But, right. like, yeah, g games are very much on the tightrope. Golgari Sacrifice. Challengers love Golgari Jeskai Adventure. Fires and Golgari Adventure. Yes. So, Golgari Adventure, I had it at number four. It's actually number three. Uh, yeah, it's, all, it's almost all... Uh, challengers. It's only two MPL members and six challengers. It looks like 13 challengers playing... Uh, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Nine challengers playing some kind of cat deck as well. Yes. I mean, so it looks like the challengers like to play Golgari Sacrifice and the MPL members like to play Junt. Which is interesting because in my experience on the latter, it was the stronger players who were choosing Golgari and the weaker players who were choosing Junt. I suspect a lot of this is that a lot of the challengers are streamers, so they're playing a lot of ladder, and they got pretty deep into how to beat various different iterations and exactly what you want and trying to be careful, um, slash they were following crockies and copying right. crockies because they're all in that culture. And the MPL players looked at the results of the few tournaments that were run right. and put them on the Jun doing well. Interesting would be a, a, a way to interpret this. So th this chart up here is everybody who played more than three copies of a deck. Yeah, so then we... Okay, is right. So is Alexander Hain He's a rogue? rogue. He, is, rogue. he is a rogue? This is Zorius control, but there's no Esper control. So so then we see Simic Flash with three MPL and one Challenger. Okay. That makes perfect sense to me. Simic Flash is very much like, is it Flash? And that, like, it's a deck that, like, you want to... Just nibble your way to victory. It doesn't seem intrinsically super powerful. It won't just play itself. Like, it's the kind of thing that will appeal to that type of person. Rapture Sacrifice, we have one MPL member and two challengers. I'm honestly surprised that an MPL member brought this deck. We'll see who it is when we get to it. But to me, this is just an inferior version of the cat decks at this point. Like, this is not a good choice. Um, I'm deeply skeptical. Three challengers played to my reclamation. So... If Tamura Reclamation was a good deck, it would have been MPL members. Because Tamura Reclamation is, a, is, again, a type of deck that good players love. Because the game is entirely in your control. Like, Strasky 
on his stream was constantly on. Like, every time he'd play against Tamura Reclamation, and same thing with Prockies, and, like, a lot of the top streamers are like, I hate playing against Reclamation because the game is entirely out of my hands. Right? They either do something amazing, or they blow their face up. Right. And you don't know which one until they do it, and you can influence it, but it's really not under your control the same way that you'd like it to be. So then we have uh, three Simic ramps, two of which are MPL, and we have three Azorius controls. Um, so that's Sifka's special, okay. one of those two MPLs. So. And let's scroll down a little bit and just see, because then he talks about the rogue decks, I believe. Right. Um, oh, no, no. The, All right, we'll get examples. Right. Let's go for the lists. All right. All right, so the next list is, is Jeskai Fires. Alexander Stair. Stair. Stair, okay. sure. All right, so the first thing to note is this is... There are some cuts here that I thought were... So the, the third, fourth Cavalier Flame is not a card I have seen cut in any lists. Yeah. Every, it became the third Kenrith. Yeah, every creature in this deck is a three of. Cavalier of Flame, Fae of Wishes, Cavalier of Gale, Sphinx of Foresight. It's not Sphinx of Threesight. Uh, Kenrith, the Return King, and Bonecrusher. I, mean, I get the idea that you know Sphinx is multiples. Like, the second scry isn't this good. It doesn't serve a purpose anymore if you draw two. Maybe you don't want... If you're not fully convinced, you can see cutting that if you just need space. Um... The fourth Cavalier of Gales, if you have the the um, the Sphinxes, I understand that. I made that cut myself to get the second Kenriff. The third Kenriff, I mean, it's a legend. Yeah. Right? This is a scary thing. And also, like, it doesn't provide instantaneous filtering. Like, cutting the fourth Cavalier of Flame, like, makes me wonder, you know, how um, Alexander thinks about the stack that caused that to not be an automatic four of. Because to me, it's like, I want at least four of this card. Well, someone else who's playing Jeskai Fires, I know, is Paulo. Yes. Right? And, you know, uh, so what is, what's his creature base look like? Where so Paulo, Paulo has these... Paulo's list looks much, much more like uh, the list that I had, right? So if you look at Paulo, he has... I think it's... Ex it's, uh, it's, it's my mana base exactly. It's my creature base after moving the fourth Cavalier of Gales to the Kenrith. Minus one Bone Crusher Giant. Um, so I have three Bonecrusher Giants. This list has two. And this list has two Aether Gusts and a Justice Strike. And this has just the two, two Aether Gusts. Right, so they're both running Aether Gusts in the deck. Uh, that's an interesting choice. I did that at the Pro Tour in Richmond. I thought that wasn't necessary anymore. I would rather have more search and just a third Bonecrusher Giant. So what... Paolo's sacrifice to get these interactions is Paolo doesn't have a sweeper. And I believe neither does uh, Steyr, right? I mean, Steyr's got the, the deafening clarion. And that doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. I meant like a oh, 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 supplement about... to that. Steyr yeah. cut two shimmers and a sphinx. <coughs> also... Uh, no, sorry. Um, Sire cut two, two yeah. Shimmers and a Sphinx. And a Castle of Antris. And three Temples of Triumph. Okay. So, willing to accept a lot less search to get Fae of Wishes instead. That's basically what this deck list is about. Right? Right. This deck list okay, is about yeah. finding Fae of Wishes over here. Whereas, Paolo is basically just saying, I don't think I need the Sweeper so much as I need specific removal, deal with specific threats. We talked about Ceratops. That's got to be on Paula's mind when I look at this list. Right. Um, 
obviously I am partial to the cards that I have been playing for a long time. But I would say Paolo certainly is like mostly endorsing it. Let's look at the sideboards. So Paolo's, Paolo's is um, playing a... Oh, he cuts Drawn from Dreams as well. So that's, that's how we got the extra space. I think that's a reasonable cut. I think a lot of people are going to give up on Drawn from Dreams just because it's a card you sideboard out a lot. I'm not seeing Drawn from Dreams here either. I'm seeing a sideboarded Drawn from Dreams. And that confuses me. I am very curious what Paolo is thinking. Because I know that Paolo has a plan. Right? You've never put this in their sideboard without a plan, with no fate of wishes. But to me, like, Drawn from Dreams is always a card you take out. Right? There's no... Once you know what you want, and the matchups all get faster. After board, you no longer have time for this. You take it out a lot. If you look at my written guide, this card just leaves. Whereas if you look at Paolo's list, he's bringing it in. And that blows my mind. Like, what is going on here? Similarly, Bone are Giant in the board. To me, it's like, well, there are places where that's what you want. But if you're going to run them in 75, like, it's perfectly good to plant that main, right? And play, play like, a card like Aether Gauss from the board would be my feeling. One of the issues, obviously, with the Fae version, the Fae of Wishes version of this, is that you end up with less opportunity to sideboard. You have more access to your sideboard over the course of the three games. Right, and this, this is an extreme version of it, right? For, yeah, this is 13 unique cards. With only three Fae of Wishes. Right. Right, with only three Fae of Wishes, there are 13 unique cards, and a lot of them are not, some of them are not castable, right? Like, there's playing Into the God Eternals, Liliana Six. Nicole Bolas. Need an Ember Cleave in there. Planar Cleansing is semi-castable. <laughs> it's really hard to cast that card. Uh, Casualties of War is completely uncastable. So, like, you can't sideboard very many of these cards in. Right? The Dovin's Veto can certainly come in. You know, that's mostly a sideboard card. The two Mystical Disputes can certainly come in. The Time Wipe can come in. The Chandra can come in if you want. Like, but the rest of it is just, like, it doesn't really make sense. Like, Embercleave is not a card you'd ever bring in. It's a card that you like having access to because it might just kill the opponent. Right. It's a cute card. I'm not sure it's worth a slot. Um, but I haven't played that much with the Fae versions because I concluded quickly that it wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, Powell's side was interesting. Two Justice Strikes. So that's a... I, I like that adjustment because it, it's it's early removal and it covers Ceratops. You combine it with having access to four Bonecrusher Giants... Access to th three A for gusts with one on the board. Um, so the biggest the biggest difference is that Legion War Boss is gone. Sure, which was a card you really uh, you really. I played. am a big fan of it. I feel like if you have this list and you go up against like Sifka or a blue white control, you know, a control deck, you don't have access to Legion War Boss. It's a serious problem because you no longer have that really good early threat that forces them to respond. And then that opens up the door for you to force for something else. Right, and you can't really go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them card for card because they're just going to eventually bury you. Right, you don't really have tools. Like, there's, there's also a third Kenriff in the sideboard. Again, I want to know what the matchup that's for. Right, There's not that there aren't places for it. Like, I'm certainly against like, a gruel deck, right? You'd be happy to bring in a third Kenriff because you can use it to gain five life. But again, like, after Boars, when you can't count on fires, it's when a card like Kenriff is its worst. So, so something to really look for in these Fires decks is going to be the people who've gone the route of Fae of Wishes and something like Palo has gone, which is the more streamlined version that's looking to have access to its sideboard. Right, and I mean, I, I personally think that the Fae of Wishes versions are noticeably inferior. I think that it's only a few cards off, so I think that certainly both sides can survive. But, you know, I think there's a clearly right answer to this question. So... Let's look at Allison. Uh, Let's look at Allie Warfield and Allison Mino are both playing Golgari Adventure. So they're right next to each other? <laughs> so 
So let, let, let's take I a look. These are both streamers, I assume? Yeah. Or, yeah, okay. Uh, Ali's had some success. Uh, day two Richmond and uh, cool, cool. has got uh, a good strong GP finish. And is, is All right, so let's look at this summer. list. So this is the Smitten Swordmaster. This is Lucky Clover. So like... I, you know, I almost don't want to call the, th this version adventure. I want to call it Clover just to emphasize that, like, it's, you know, she's not moving around. Like, so we've got, obviously, we've got a Dwelling Keepers in here somewhere, right? Yeah, they're right at the top. So Thalmire Knights, Love Struck Beasts, two, midders, two, two Midnight Reapers, four Riders, four Orders of Midnight. Wow. Like, I, I think Reed is running one Order of Midnight with three Lucky Clovers. So wow. it's a very difference of opinion. And this is the idea of recurring Smitten Swordmasters. This deck is all about... Um, one of my favorite draft archetypes. <laughs> making it, yes, one of your favorite draft archetypes. That's what this deck is about. This deck is about, I'm going to play a bunch of knights. I'm going to drain you. I'm going to have a few really powerful effects. I'm going to hope it's enough. And then Casualties of War is her high end. I think it's probably the right high end for this tournament. Sure. Um, I'm, now I'm curious. Let's take a look at the... But I, I just found the... The problem is I found these Golgari Adventure decks to be underpowered, right? Like, like you just look at that list. And this is... So this is much more the... The versions. So Allison is, is bringing much more of the traditional Golgari Adventure deck that's been doing well for when it has done well for several Mythic Championships. This is the the Paradise Druid into Questing Beast combined with just enough Edgewall Innkeeper action to fuel your engine. Right, the one midnight, the one midnight Reaper, like two Thrashing Brontodons here, three Order of Midnight, a variety of Planeswalkers, like three Vivians, a Lumion, and a Garrick. You know. So this is more of a. This is much more of a green black mid range deck that right. has a little bit of a draw. Right. When I see Golgari Avengers on the list, this is what I expect to see. Right. Right. This is a very traditional list. Yeah. There's very little spice here. It's very solid. It's a good deck. It's not a great deck. I think there are great decks available. Wh which, which is which why you, I'm not a fan. Which do you like better out of the two options? I think I like the solid version. I I am very skeptical of the Lucky Clover deck because I feel like the Lucky Clover deck is all in. On an idea, and that idea is just not powerful enough, even when it works, to justify that level of commitment. Like think about like stacking up this set of creatures against Stephanie Clarions. Right. Right? It's so scary. And you know, stacking up Lucky Clover against Casualties of War, also really scary. <laughs> but there's a lot of upside here too. So you know, I just it doesn't I have never seen the night version do its thing reliably. I've seen it do it like once in a match. I've never seen it do it twice in a match. Okay. You don't win matches, but like one of the won because the opponent just didn't do very much, right? But like, so it's just never like the power level of these cards is lower. Right? I, I can like, definitely tell you this Ali's, is... Ali's cards are just not as good as Allison's cards. This is definitely the deck I would have spent a lot of time playtesting if I was going in. I love, I love, I think this deck is super sweet and I'm excited to see if it can do well. I, I, I certainly, uh, you know, I you know there's a there's a noble history of drain life effects winning pro tours. Uh, you know, it'd be really nice to see, you know, a smitten swordmaster. It's do a thing. fun deck to watch. Like when yeah. it it feels so bad to lose to this deck. By the way, yeah. Like just to be clear, like you are like, I, I took three damage from attacks and I die <laughs> against a bunch of two drops. Like what you're, the hell? You're not talking me off of it with this lineup. I'm not trying to talk you out of it. So it's, it's, uh, the, the sideboard has like some pretty standard, like just generic cards. I'm also noticing like there's one Massacre Girl for Owie's board. There's none in Allison's. It's like Allison, oh no, sorry, Allison has two. So Allison's sideboard is just a bunch of like good stuff, like four duresses, very traditional, Legion's End, Ceratops, Girl, Bronte, 
Um, An epic downfall, which seems to be the number that most people end up on. Not much in the way of removal for fires, worth noting. Right. Like, Cavaliers are the number one deck if you split cats. Right. Just in general, it doesn't feel like this deck... Like, it feels like Allison's build is not expecting the cat-cav metagame to be its primary opponents the same way that I expected them. So. Okay. Yeah. All right, so we have below these two Golgari decks. There's yet another Golgari deck. This is Golgari Sacrifice. And this is, yeah, this is uh, the deck that has been... This is Andrea. Very popular. Andrea uh, Jerion. I don't know how to say the name. Jerion, yeah. Um, and so this is the deck. You, you've been following this deck's development quite a bit. Cro Crokey's really popular pop popularized it. Popularized it. Played to number one in the ladder multiple times. And, like, this is clearly, like, an amalgamation of various different points in his deck's development. Do we know Crokey's real name? This could be Crokey's for all we know. <laughs> no, he's, that is basically his real name. It's okay. very close to that. Um, uh, so if you look at the list, like, so it's Cauldron, you know, Cauldron Familiar, Witch's Oven, Gilded Goose, Masker Girl, Midnight Reaper, four murderous, you know, three Midnight Reapers, four murderous riders, three Masker Girls. So, basically, Paradise Druid came in and out of the deck at various points. We settled on two here. I like a compromise. I think that's great because it's a card that, like, you don't want multiple Paradise Druids in your hand. Right. So it's weird to have four and then to have zero all of a sudden, which happened because Bronthanon became a card that we wanted. Uh, but it means there's probably a mistake made somewhere along the lines. Like, if you thought there were four were worth it in the deck before, and suddenly it's zero. Right? It's the kind of thing where, like, players sort of get into play pattern design and, like, sort of say, I, I don't want to do this anymore. But, like, the courage to play two Paradise Druids, like, I really admire that. Like I, think, I think that's really nice. Uh, I'm less happy about only three Casualties of War. Um, I think this deck needs to run four Casualties of War. Uh, even Crocky's almost ran three Casualties of War, so it's not, clearly not a crazy decision. Um, three Bronte's, again, like, Bronte is not a card that gets better in multiples, so I'm perfectly happy to see a compromise there. Four Murderous Riders, I feel strongly, you know, it took us a while to get there. I was actually there ahead of Crocky's on that figure decision. Yeah. And I feel like it's strongly correct. Um, 25 lands, looks like a good 25 lands. Only one Fabled Passage, um, which is interesting. Three Temple of Malady. I'm a pretty big fan of Fabled Passage over Temple of Malady. Right. In this list, because I just feel like every tap land hurts you so much at the wrong time. People miss Once Upon a Time so much already, they're... <laughs> I think they're Scrylands. They're like, well, I don't need Gilly Goose on turn one anymore. But you kind of do. And also, like, you've got a bunch of one-drop yeah. other things to do. Like, I just don't see where you have the time to actually play Temple of Malady. And, and, and I mean, I really want to go turn one Goose, turn two Trellicrums, right? Like, I love that. And if I have to play a tap land, I want to, like, be able to get a Swamp from my Castle Lock thing. I want to, like, just establish what I need to establish and get on with my life. And I like the thinning effect, too. Yeah. That has a lot of mana sources in it. But, you know, it's... It's a very small thing to think about. The sideboard, four duress, very standard. A Varaska. I'm pretty skeptical of Varaska in the board. Okay. I don't mind playing multiple Varaskas in the main. I feel like there's another one of those cards that, like, if you are willing to devote space at all, the main deck is a better use of space than that. Right. But, and right here, it's split one and one. Yeah, it's split one and one. Sort of, I think, like, a proper elephanting would probably end up with either two zero or one zero depending on what the right answer is. Um, two Eternal Natures on the board, you know, covering your bases. Um, four Love Struck Beasts. What, 
what, what, what's going on with the Love Struck Beast in, in the board for these decks? So like, why the, is that there? And so so that's, like, that's the big dumb. question, right? Like when Brad Nelson wrote his article, he talked about how, well, the aggro decks aren't real. When we looked at the metagame, he's right. Right. Like where were the aggro decks on that list? They weren't there at all, right? Did you see Gruel? We did not see Gruel. Did you see Knights? We did not see Knights. Right, and we didn't, we didn't see them just on the top of this metagame at all. Now, I'm saying, when we looked at the metagame, right. Right now, I'm talking about we didn't see a single aggro list. Right. There could be a couple in row, right? There, there almost certainly are. We'll get to yeah. them when we get to them, but like, yeah. it would be very stunning to me if we got for an entire 67 players, <laughs> and there wasn't a single aggro deck. Like, that's just what the hell has happened to Magic. But Lovestruck Beast is just, this is a three-mana 5-5 five, five blocker that comes with one drop attached. And then you can sacrifice them to Witch's Oven to get lots of food with a guy. So, if you can bring four of these in, you shore up your aggro matchups a tremendous amount. And also, because of Cauldron Familiar, you're very good at getting a reliable 1-1 in play. So you can actually attack. Um, so various versions, of, I, I've played Love Shark Beast main in various builds, when aggro was a more serious concern, as it is on something like the latter. Uh, but the danger is you're just sacrificing four sideboard slots for no gain if there are no such decks to bring them in against. Right. And there's a lot of things you need. Like, you you have now Deathless Knight in the sideboard of this deck because of control decks. And and that's a card that's very specialized, right? It's got two toughness and costs four mana. So if you're playing this card against decks that are not that, it's very awkward because you already have a lot of incremental card advantage when you need it. It's the best card in the format for the situation. Like you, you sort of see when you get to some other lists that this deck is sacrificing a few tools that it wants in various places to get those four Lovestruck Beasts. And some people are not making that sacrifice or making some of that sacrifice. But overall, it's a very solid list, very standard choices most of the places. All right, let's go to one of the big names in the field, Andrea Mangucci. So one of the... Uh, and he is... Serious Civic Ramp. <laughs> Simic ramp. Simic, of course, just won the last Pro Tour, but under very different circumstances. Completely different build here. Yeah. Completely different uh, metagame, too, because you had Oko, you had Vale of Summer, you had a lot of stuff there that was going on. But, so this this deck is this a is, Risen Reef deck. This is the Risen Reef deck that's been around for a while as normally a Tier 2 thing that, like, does a lot of powerful things, but is never quite reliable enough, is never quite there. And the question is, has Andrea found a build that gets us quite there? So what we've got is we've got so we've got two finale of devastation with an end maze end raise forerunners as the end game of this deck. So So this is and, and this is really what we've been looking for since Oko went away, is what's the deck that's gonna really use Nissa? Right? Like Nissa was sort of left on her own, you know, in the Simic decks without Oko, without Once Upon a Time to find like the early mana accelerators. You know, what, what are you, we see three, where's your Nissa deck and what are you going to do with we it? We see three attempts to use Nissa at least in this field, right? So Simic Ramp uses it as like the card you always want to ramp to. A Simic Flash actually often plays it as a, when you get your opening, you play Nissa, use it to untap some mana, you're still sitting on a counter spell and the game is now over. And finally, uh, you see it in Sultai Ramp, which we'll get to when Salvato is shown. Right? So we got three attempts to really abuse Nessa. Two attempts to abuse Nessa and one attempt to play Nessa, honestly. It would almost be a better <laughs> way of putting it. Still a very good card. Yeah. So, so here, Oh, yeah. Very powerful. So here the idea is we're going to play our Boreal Grazer. 
Leafkin Druid, you know, instead of Paradise Druid because it's an elemental. Um, so, interestingly, no Gilded Goose. I thought one of the innovations, and we have Gross Spiral. I thought one of the innovations of these decks was that Gilded Goose was being put into these decks, which gave you additional things you do when you're flooded and lets you accelerate onto a turn, you know, turn two Risen Reef. Reef, otherwise, gets you more mana. You know, it fixed a lot of things. He's preferring Arboreal Grazer and only brought two copies. Right. He's really, this is sort of a statement that he's willing to play Risen Reef on turn three. And that is good enough. And I am skeptical that that is good enough. Right. I, I think the big spicy card here, and we, we've seen some people playing around with it, is, is obviously quasi-duplicate. I mean, I think it's Enrage Forerunners. Like, Enrage Forerunners, to me, is even <laughs> much spicier than quasi-duplicate. <laughs> I've seen quasi-duplicate for months. For at least a month. Like, this yeah. is a pretty normal thing to try. Um, the idea being, if you can duplicate Risen Reef, yeah. then you draw five. Because you do this and you do it again. Right. And suddenly, you've drawn five, you have these permanents in play that cause every elemental to go completely nuts, and then you just, like, win the game. I'll note that, by the way, there is no Jace in this build. All these decks are like a Jace and a Tamiyo. That way, you have Cavalier of Thorns. You can engineer a self-decking for the win. Here, we're much more about, let's just kill you if I'm raised four runners, right? right? As the decision to play that instead. Uh, I can believe that it's just better. I can also believe it's less fun. <laughs> Yeah, two two Castle Garenbergs to help with that Enraged Forerunners in case you need to play fair. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, also helps Hydro Crisis. Yeah. Or just make it one bigger if we're getting big. Yeah. Uh, the downside of Castle Garenberg is it's not a forest. Right. Like we were just building a deck a couple hours ago where we're just like, well, actually, just being a forest matters more than its ability to tap because of Nyssa. So I'm actually a little skeptical. Because of that, but there are still 10 forests and 4 reading pools, so it's still a lot of, a lot of forests. Should be fine. So elemental-wise, we've got the Leafkin Druids. Risen Reefs and the Risen Reefs Thorns. and the Cavalier of Thorns are our only elementals, plus whatever we can quasi-duplicate. Or, or we can finale Devastation into it. Right, right. Yeah, so we've got a lot of tools. Like, it's a very one-track deck. Like, it knows what it wants. It has only one of Treachery. There's no mass manipulations in this build. So it very much wants to build the Enmage 4 Miners and kill you. So, I also would worry a bit about open deck lists if I was Andrea. Because your opponent knowing exactly what they have to worry about is going to hurt you more than you think in this spot. Okay. Right? I, I worry that testing without that can be misleading. But, again, it's not a bad deck. It's a very reasonable deck. I, I just don't think it's at the level of, like, the food engine. Okay, and, and we'll see, as you said, one of three decks attempting to be, like, the new home for Nyssa. Yeah, it also just sort of, just the, you know, Civic has always had the problem of I don't have removal, right? If I want to stick a creature, like a Mayhem Devil, I'm just not going to do about it. Right. And there's a lot of things that can hit pretty hard. But also, like, Cavalier Thorns is a really big problem for Jeskai. Yeah. Well, we saw an exchange on, on Twitter earlier today where Chris Bagula was asking when deck lists are going to go up. And then uh, Mike Sigrist was like, you know, 3 p.m. Pacific, you know, and Chris is like, well, can you just tell me if you're playing Cavalier of Thorns? <laughs> and Mike Sigrist is like, no. And he's like, oh, great. And he's like, no, no, I mean, no, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> so I guess we'll find out soon. But, but obviously a card that Chris is very concerned about being matched up against. Yes, it is a, that specific card is a problem. The rest of this deck is kind of harmless. Yeah. But because Cavalier of Thorns then gets back the card that you are worried about, 
right, when it dies. You go to all this effort to kill it, and then they come and bring back something else. Right. So it's a problem. Sideboard again, pretty straightforward. You got your Love Struck Beast, your Aether Gust, your, your Mystical Disputes, your Return to Nature, your Shifting Ceratops, and then any game. Like, yeah, but it seems like it becomes a much more fair deck. Like a much more, like, play a longer game deck after sideboard. It can have that option. It's a very yeah. clean build. Yeah. All right. So now we talked a little bit about this Is It Flash deck. And uh, Andrew Cuneo is one of a handful of people playing this. Okay, so this list has been out in the wild for a few days now. So I, I know it pretty well. I've seen it streamed for a bunch. So it's pretty straightforward. 16 creatures. Four Bone Crusher Giant. Gadwick. Brineborn Cutthroat, Brazen Borrower, just fours all the way down. Yeah, then it's got like two negates, three quenches, four ionizes, three all's operas, four ops. It chooses to swap Shock out for Scorching Dragonfires, uh, which, you know, makes cats go away and not come back. Right. Mayhem Devils. It has some significant advantages. It can't go to the face. It's one mana more expensive. It definitely can burn you. Right. But, it, well, it can't burn you, but it can exile things. Right. So that's yes. what's important. That's the point. <laughs> They're up to 26 lands, one of which is the Blast Zone. Okay. So Nasif was specifically talking about how they tried going up to two, and it was just too much. Their color suffered too much. They couldn't do it. But the one is quite nice. Blast zoning on one, especially against cat decks, can be very, very good. And this deck can af sometimes afford to just give up a land uh, in the mid-game. The sideboard also has some spice. Oh, this person says a little bit something different. So Scragon Halkite is a pretty standard decision uh, in their team, I believe, because it gives you the ability to have some punch. Like... Late in the game, your deck can like much more solidify into no. You think you just have to deal with Gadwick, but like my deck's mostly kind of airy slash not that impactful. <laughs> and I just slam this five five that also kills things, and right. now your incremental game just completely breaks down. Right. Uh, it's kind of like Niv Mizzet, but like when to worry about a different level of thing. And what? then you have Neheb here. I was just gonna say Neheb Dreadhorde Champion is not a card we've seen in a lot of seventy uh, fives. This is a catch-you-napping type of card. So, in some ways it's better, in some ways it's worse, obviously, with Open Necklace. It's harder to catch the napping, but it also means they can never go to sleep. Because <laughs> they always have to think about, well, could, the, could, could Andrew just drop a Neheb on me? And if I can't answer that, then suddenly he gets to filter out the card, the, the half of his hand he doesn't want, get a bunch of mana, cast something for free, you know, get back into control of the game... And yeah, it feels like the, the sideboard still gets to cover like the bases that are important. I, I gotta say, I've been very surprised by this stack playing against it uh, on the ladder. Uh, just never feels like it's doing anything super powerful, but it just it just nibbles you to death, and it just grinds away. And uh, I have spent so many matches thinking, why are you wasting my time with this pile of garbage? <laughs> And then losing <laughs> quite convincingly, the, losing yeah. Of them anyway, yeah, it's and being mad about it every damn time too. So how, how do you like that deck? Like, what what's your where 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 do you feel? How do you feel this deck is positioned? Um, obviously, some huge names playing it. How do you feel it's positioned against this field, which is largely? I think this is the field that it wanted. Yeah, like it's the Jeskai Killer or wants to be. It's got. The ability to, to uh, maneuver its way around cats, at least try to. Okay. That matchup is a matter of opinion. Yeah. Um, I think good cat decks built to beat it and played properly have the advantage. But Jeskai being number one at an individual deck is very much, you know, the Jeskai being that high is what it wanted. Um, when you, 
the other thing I want is people to mess around, right? You like even more like you want things like Jeskai that like play a lot of four cost cards, five cost cards, just give you the chance to tempo maneuver around them. And I think I'm gonna get like some at least a reasonable amount of chance for that. All right, so um, we see Antonino DeRosa is also playing Is It Flash, and you yes. talked about that. You know, he was playing that deck. Andrew Smith playing Jund Sacrifice, and this is really uh, the first. Uh, one of the first, no, second cat deck we've seen because yes. we saw the Golgari one. So here we see Cavalier of Night as the five drop in Junt. Okay. So it's interesting because it doesn't normally make the cut at all in Golgari. And now we see it in Junt where Core Evolved is available. Right? So. Well, we, not according to most reports on Twitter, it's pretty unavailable. <laughs> on Arena, it's available. <laughs> That's fair. For the low, low cost of wild cards. <laughs> so if you look at. The list, so the high end is one Casualties of War. Wow. That's it. And one Cavalier of Night. This is very much a, I want to play all the cheap cards, right? I got two, only two, you get two Wicked Wolves. You get three Masker Girls to cover that base. Um, three Murderous Riders. Um, we do not see Midnight Reaper, I believe, in this build. I'm not seeing it. Nope. So that, that's how, basically, Midnight Reaper got swapped for Mayhem Devil, and Red was splashed. Is so, What do you think about this, right? So Red is just Fabled Passage, Stomping Ground, Blood Crypt, and a Mountain. So basically, he, we're willing to take eight pain lands and a blank land, and a colorless land to get four Mayhem Devils. And nothing else except three Cinder Vines on the board. Right. Cinder Vines on the board. That's a nice to have. It's yeah. a, you'll, you'll take it if it's available, for sure. But by, by the way, you know, which said one casualty of war, but again, two, two casualties of war also in the board. Yeah, so we're willing to come back to casualties of war when we know that's what we want to be. Yeah. But this is very much a, I know what I want to do and I'm going to do it. Right. Um, again, looking at the field, is this a casualties of war field? Is this a main deck? We're still looking at 20%. Yeah. In the mid-20s, right? Like for 24%, I think we said, Cats. Yeah. Where Cats of War is pretty much the best card. Yeah. Um, Not great against Fires, and, though, right? Oh, no. On, on the contrary. Like, yeah. kill your Fires, kill your Cavalier, kill your Lance. You can't do anything <laughs> after your Fires is dead. <laughs> oh, that's fair. It's it's very much where you want to be. Like, it's the best high-end card against Fires by some Okay. So, the, so, so this feels like... Uh, um, Andrew's going to be going to his sideboard a lot for those casualties in this... Andrew should be wishing they were main, I think. Um, yeah. We see Questing Beast on the board, which again is a symbol of how aggressive the, the philosophy is here. Right? This is a person who wants to attack. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going here. Antonino DeRosa, he's on Is It Flash. I think this is pretty much... there's a little much... spice in this list. Let's see what, oh, exactly what the spice is. There is a little spice in this list. He is not playing the... He's playing 17 creatures. So we see only three Gadwicks. Okay. And that's, the, and that's the variation on the first 16 that we saw from... Right. I, I talked to Kai, who was helping, who was helping DeRosa out. Uh, the, just the feeling of drawing two in your opening hand and just not being able to do anything was just a little bit too much for them. Uh, we only see 25 lands, cut one land, which again, with only three Gadwicks, like it kind of goes, into, goes hand in hand. We see a God Eternal Kefnet. Okay. And a Niv Visit Perun. Ooh, that's a spicy one. I do like the idea. I don't know if it's actually good, but I like the idea a lot. Um... With Opt, Negate, Quench, Ionize, Sinister Sabotage, just one, and uh, three Shocks. Yeah, I do like Sinister Sabotage, I think. I, I think that, like, Ionize, the hard counter spell is clearly, like, the counter spell that I've been most impressed by. Uh, they're more impressed by Negate. 
and you know just they want more counter spells on two. Again, back to back to shock over. I was saying this is this is another big difference between the two deck between the two lists. Yeah, or almost a small difference, but like meaning very meaningful. But like right. this, this deck is very much sort of knows where it wants to be in some ways. Like I think Godfrey Kefnet is inspiring you to play like much more generic cards in some places. Right, might be what's going on. And then we have uh, the board. Where we have Sorcerer's Spyglass, we have Aethergust, all four Lava Coils, which is a very big statement to me. Wow. Right? I mean, Ceratops is a problem, but like that's a lot. Um, mystical, three Mystical Disputes, a Flame Sweep, a second Kefnet, a second niv Visit. So they, I think Antonio wants to like pick the right top common creature. Uh, Antonio mentioned they didn't consider the Ember Cleave in time. Oh, uh, which interesting. Spice we'll see in a few lists down the line, uh, which I'm a big fan of. Like made me want to play the deck for the first time. When I saw it, like I was like, this deck sucks, this deck sucks, this deck sucks, I don't want to play Berkeley. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, yeah, like this is a very... Well, you see so many games sweet, where... Sweet list. You see so many games where your opponent's just throwing something in the path of a giant Brineborn cutthroat. You or know? just generally where you can maneuver the game to get everyone through, but you can only like do it once or twice, then you get yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so like, it definitely the kind of thing I want to see. All right, Autumn Burkett. So they're playing Ogari Adventure. This is a surprising choice to me, right? So this makes me wonder what's up. Okay, well, this is... this Because is... Autumn is not one to retreat to generic. Right. <laughs> this looks very similar to the list we saw Ali play. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is sitting Swordmaster. So we see three casualties of ward, four lucky clovers. I think it's very, very similar. Yeah. It may actually be the same the, list. The top looks different, right? Okay. Like, yeah. Um... But yeah, this is, a, this is a theory. This is something that these people are vulnerable to, and I am curious why they think this. But we're gonna find out. Yeah, I um, mean, uh... only two rushes on the board. Um, if I'm a fires player, I am pretty happy about that. Sure. Like I don't sort of feel like I mean, Assassin's Trophy is a card I've never liked. <laughs> sort of, it's always going to be medium. I, I gotta tell you, I've had things Assassin's Trophied when I was playing Fires, and I'm so happy. <laughs> right. Like, sometimes it's like, well, I guess I lose the game because my, you know, they top their last two lands and they cast Assassin's Trophy and I'm dead. Other times it's like, no, I don't need that Fires anymore, do I? <laughs> right? <laughs> or I needed that extra land earlier, or, yeah. Yeah, that's actually an improvement. Like, yeah, thanks. yeah. Um, I, I was playing your high difficulty level five color version, though, so. <laughs> Yes, yes. Not recommended for serious players. Highly recommended for non-serious players. Um, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. There was a lot of people, even more people playing this list than I expected. So, so you see one person playing a list that looks unusual, that who, who you're not familiar with, who's not sort of uh, as proven in the in the tournament ranks. As, but then you see someone like Autumn come along, and they're playing the deck that that makes and you playing it out of character, right? And this this makes you pay attention. Yes. Okay. I'm excited to see what happens. This is definitely a deck to keep an eye on. Uh, so another Jeskai Fires deck from Beatrice Grancha. Um, let's, we're not going to, well, if we, we'll look for details. So there's a Quench in the main, right? That's interesting. Only three Deafening Clarions in the main. One of them got moved to the board. Um, standard land base. So we've got, yeah, it's a Sphinx basic build, but you know, they're just noting the spice. Yeah. Just a strike and a Quench, basically. Um, some weird sideboard cards, just sort of mixing it up. Yeah, well, I'm very excited to talk about the next list because Ben Stark 
the Hall of Famer for the Pro Tour champion, is playing Azorius Control. We're missing a Gadwick. How'd that happen? What's that? So we're missing a Gadwick. How'd that happen? Yeah, he's got four Brazen Bars and three Gadwicks. And I'm going to assume that this is the same thing you mentioned that came up in your conversation with Kai, where you're just getting Gadwick flooded early and it's just I mean, a, a sure, feel bad. But this deck is like in it for the long haul. Yeah, maybe you just Teferi your Gadwick. He has the finale of Revelation, right? Like. Yeah, this is a card uh, I read. I was reading the Stanislav Sifka's uh, Azorius article. Yes, and he was he was very big on finale of Revelation. It's a three aether gust, so making the statement of you know I just don't think I'm actually going to get burned by this card very often. Uh, so Chemist's insight uh, two main as opposed to the Czech version, which has only one and it's in the sideboard. Okay, so sort of not wanting to count on the Gadwick plan. Right, also only two time wipes to go for three planet cleansings. Yeah, three planet cleansing, two time wipe. And only one more on the board. So the fourth one is just missing. The two giant killers on the board, so you know, if these two people didn't talk to each other, it'd be very strange. Or at least see each other's list at some point. Right. Um but yeah, no, it's a very much the philosophy of Blue White of just make the game last for freaking ever. <laughs> one of my castles. One with my finale of Revelation. Four ten. I actually doing it four ten. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you do it for ten. You uh, basically uh, basically get to time twister. You get to time spiral almost. You just get to like just have it. It's it's really funny watching an arena. You just have this giant hand that doesn't go away. <laughs> it's really great. All right. So, all right. We get to the Brad Nelson entry. So Brad Nelson shows Simic Flash. Is this was this the spice? This has to be the spice because the other deck was clearly not the spice. All right. So it's not necessarily that spicy, It's right? not. I mean, this is... It's this, a rogue deck. This is, like, in a lot of ways, like, a week one deck for this format. Like, when people... Before, I mean, before any of the bands even, right? Like, this was... The Nightpack Ambusher uh, Simic decks were kind of a big deal. I want this deck to be good. I really do. So three Druids, two Brazen Borrowers, two Hydroid Crasis, four Frilled Mystics, four Nightpack Ambushers... So, <laughs> which way you want to go here? Four uh, Nissa. Four Nissa, who shakes the world. Uh, Mystical Disputes, two. Gro four Growth Spirals, three Quenches, three Sinister Sabotages. Uh, once again, we see the main deck, Aether Gusts, two. And one copy of Negate, 26 lands. Yeah, I'm very curious about, like, all four copies of Nissa. It's such a bold statement, you know, given that the deck wants to be a Flash deck. In general. Right. And there's only two Hydroid Crisis. Like, there's not much high-end. We're not even playing the fourth Paradise Druid of Acceleration to go for four Growth Spirals because we don't want to tap mana. Right. So, you know, it's just, just a statement that, like, I just this is what I want to be. This is, you know, I want her to be my game plan. I mean, this was a card when people were talking about the ban list after the last Mythic Championship and people were speculating about what cards are going to get banned... Nissa was in the discussion. Yes, and I always thought that was a mistake in terms of like it's both both in terms of it's not going to happen, and doing so would have been a severe mistake. Okay, so you you wanted to wait until after Mythic Championship Seven to ban it. No, I don't want to ban it ever. <laughs> Teasing, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Um, sideboard. You know, generic couple, stuff like generic stuff. Beast as the I'm being attacked. No, make it stop. Yeah, <laughs> couple chemistry's insights, couple sorcerer spyglasses. Kenrith Transformation. 
that's some spice. Yeah, I mean, one one copy, but it's Not spicy. sure exactly what it's for, but... Yeah, yeah, I was trying to figure that out, too. We just love elking things. Yeah, yeah, he, he just missed it. Can't quit now. Um, BBD, Brian Brown doing? Jund Sacrifice. So this we, we looked at this deck a little earlier. Four Korvald Fae Cursed Kit. That is the card that people were looking for this week who and were going to physical tabletop events. They were like, I can't find this card. It's from the Brawl deck. It is an ancillary, ancillary product card, and it might be one of the more powerful cards in Standard right now. Also, for Midnight Reapers, the other version that we saw of Jund had zero. So this is a very clean all about Corvald. Yeah, this is, by the way, this is also seven creatures, four each. Rider, Midnight Reaper, Mayhem Devil, Cauldron Familiar, Gilded Goose, Paradise Druid, and uh, Corvald Fake Cursed King. This is a man who just wants to Corvald all day. Yeah. He thinks Corvald <laughs> is the best thing ever. He's going to do it. And if you're not familiar with Corvald, it's a 4-4 flyer for five mana, two, and a Jund. Uh, and then when it enters the battlefield, you sacrifice another permanent. And whenever you sacrifice a permanent, you put a plus one, plus one counter on Corvald and draw a card. Yeah, I'm pretty skeptical of four copies of this card because it's legendary. It takes a little setup and it's very much a punishable card. Can slash you... can't really, you know, it doesn't trample. Right. So, well, I think it's a very powerful card. You know, even when you're both around it pretty seriously, this feels like, you know, someone loves this card more than anyone else. This is, boy, this is a, I mean, this is such a clean list. I love the dedication. Right, it's like four Witches Oven, four Trail of Crumbs. So, you know, we are at 36 cards with the minimum number of, of cards you can play. And then a very straightforward, I'm playing these three colors, yeah. so I'm doing this. Yeah, 24 lands. Always and then, three Fable Passages. I find that always interesting with four Mayhem Devils and some Mana Defects, not playing the fourth. I uh, The question I have about this deck is, where where are the casualties of war? In like, the sideboard. Well, there they are. Two of them. Well, the answer is, we don't have time to casualties of war because we're sacrificing our lands to Korval. <laughs> okay. Right? The, the, the goal is to finish the game... You know, with a giant explosion of card advantage, and if they casualties to survive it because we drew so many cards. At least that, that's how I read this. Okay. Uh, the sideboard does not have duress. It's worth noting. Yep. No. Four epic downfalls. Wow. So what it says to me is, Brian thinks this is the deck, right? Brian thinks this is the thing that matters. I am going to kill your Corvald. And then kill you with my Corvald. I'm going to kill your Mayhem Devil. I'm going to kill your Midnight Reaper. I'm going to finish off these specific cards. I want to win not just a pseudo-mirror. I want to win the mirror. Right. Okay. How do you like... How do you... Uh, how do you feel about this compared to the other, the other list we looked at? I admire his dedication. <laughs> I think it's a bit too far. But... You know, I... I like believing in something, and I like going for it. I think it's solid. Yeah. You know, I think it's definitely a way to go. Yeah, Carvald, a card to keep keep your eye on this weekend and, and see where it goes. Carlos Ramau, uh, also playing the deck. Uh, he is 
playing two Carval, just to give you so an idea. So much more hedged bets, right? You've got Paradise Druid here. Um, again, three favorite passages. So people who actually play the deck a lot seem to disagree with me, but in my experience, I want the fourth. Uh, two Brothanons, two Wicked Wolves, a Varaska, three Casualties of War. This is much more of a, here are all the good food cards vaguely mixed together, and I'm going to play some good magic. Right. And, and I have two core vaults because this card's awesome, but I don't want to draw a bunch in my opening hand. Oh, here. you know what's not in this deck? This list is Murderous Rider. Oh, yeah, you're right. Midnight Reaper, but no Murderous Rider. You yeah. Should. I think even in the board, right? Like, the board is just spending its slots on... They have... Carvos does have Duress. Grasps, Masker Girls. So, like, Epic Downfall. So, like, I know what I want to hit, and I'm going to hit that. But I'm just not going to have Murderous Rider. Interesting. So that's kind of a, a sweet deck. Uh, Chris Kavartek, one of the uh, breakout players at the, the last Mythic Championship. Uh, he is playing Golgari Adventure. So this is this is the Great Hench. <laughs> this is very different than uh, the other list we this just looked Vivian at. Vivian and Hench. Yeah, Vivian Arcbow Ranger, four copies, three copies of the Great Hench, four Lovestruck Beast, Edgewell Innkeeper, Falmire Knight, Paradise Druid, Murderous Rider, Three Questing Beasts, two Order of Midnight, and four Rotting Regisaurs. Yes, as in, I want my Great Henge and I want it now. Right. And I remember when we first started talking about uh, the Great Henge when we were looking at doing, we were doing previews for this new set. That was an interaction you identified early on, right? That uh, Rotting Regisaur worked really well with the Great Henge. 24 lands. Uh, how, do, how do you feel about 24 lands in this? With, uh, we've got the four Paradise Druids as additional mana sources. I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, like, that's generally... I think we're seeing a lot of decks play 24, you know, 24 to 26 range these yeah. days. It's become the conventional wisdom that, like, surprisingly broad range of decks need, to, need slash want to do that. All right, well, let's move on down the list. Uh, so Chris Pakula, we've talked about... Uh, Just Sky Fires. Uh, this was something you, you had uh, Again, he, coached you know, him he, up he on a little pretty, bit. He stayed pretty close to the original. You see very few uh, alterations. You know, two Solar Blazes on the board. Uh, Disenchant has replaced Sorcerer's Spyglass, as I talked about. Uh, Trim to Legion Warboss. You get that Solar Blaze. But he, but he does have those three Legion War bosses that were so good for you when you were playing in that last event in, in very specific matchups. Yeah, but it's just a very much a, this deck is very good, I'm going to do the thing. And, yeah, what I've seen so far, looks pretty solid. Curious how it holds up against, say, like, Je, uh, the Jeskai Fires list from Christian Hauk, MPL member, who looks is also remarkably playing. similar, actually. <laughs> So it looks like the draw from dreams has become a prison realm. Um, Disenchant has replaced Sorcerer's Spyglass again. Four Legion War Boss remain in the sideboard. Just striking the sideboard, which I think on reflection is in fact a good thing. I wish I had been more specific, you know, clearer on that, slash realize it faster. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, people have like accepted the meta base pretty much straightforwardly, haven't been able to find an improvement, which makes me feel pretty good. Um, they have their tweaks. All right. So now you, you talked a little bit about uh, some Saltai Ramp. Uh, we, we talked this about... Is, this is a little different. This uh, is so Vega, being played by Daniel Vega. D Vega has a... So Vega has a cameo. I, no, I noticed right away. Uh, Maynick Masker Girl. So the, the, the interesting... 
they're currently the same testing group, or at least the same deck origin that has two incubation druids, which to me is sort of a signature indication right. of this development, right? So the idea is, I want Paradise Druid, I also want another two-drop, and I want a two-drop that I can backdoor into something useful, right, if I don't have other actions because my deck has too much air. And my worry about that is Bonecrusher Giant is so punishing. Sure. Uh, yeah, five planeswalkers. Um, and, and really the idea behind this deck is that you growth spiral into securitous root into casualties of war, right? Like <laughs> against a large amount of the field. With yeah, you have ten acceleration on two to make sure you get to securitous route, or another two, and then you get to turn four casualties of war. And you just keep going. You have Hydroid Crisis and Gadwick as your high end after casualties of war. Just refuel. Keep you going, and you have Nissa, of course. So, like, you do your turn four Nissa, turn four Casualties of War, or your sort of two branches, and you do whichever one's appropriate, and you just do your high end ramp thing. So, the, the sideboard has Finale of Eternity, which is the black removal spell, and has Massacre Girl. So, yeah, I see a bunch of clearly testing with Salvato. Um, you know, Planet Wide Celebration, they both have one of those, I believe. Um, you know, Four Wild Shark Beasts, again, if you hit aggro. You don't have enough early defenses. This helps fix that. How, how do you like this deck in a room full of cats and a room full of fires? This is the room that they needed. Yeah. Right? If they hit a different room, they were dead. Right. right? Sort of, because they hit the room they wanted, they have a chance. But, like, this deck is not, gener this is not a generically strong strategy right now. Right? It has a lot of holes. All right. Well, all right. Let's keep moving on. So after Daniel, we see Dmitry Budakov. And we were talking about this Racto Sacrifice deck. And uh, we were wondering where that was going to be, right? We think it's, what, what was it, one Racto Sacrifice deck in the field? I think there were three. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it made the list, right? So there were oh, three. yeah, you're right. You're right. It wasn't below. But uh, so this is pretty straightforward. Four Cauldron Familiar, four Midnight Reaper, four Mayhem Devil, four Gutter Bones. Four Priest of Forgotten Gods, three Rankle Master of Pranks, and then one Lazatep Reaver. Yes, it's two creatures for the price of one. Yeah, so two things for you to sacrifice. It's kind of like your um, Doomed Traveler, if you I've will. I've seen a list of four copies, especially in Monoblock, and it's been good in those decks. I have been not wanting to cut it. Uh, four Angrath's Rampage. For Claim the Firstborn. I've seen a bunch of that online in the last week. I saw a lot of it weeks ago. I haven't seen much of it recently. Yeah. And I think that's correct. Um, so hey. basically, I think this is a tier two deck. I don't think it's good enough. Um, I think that the the engine is just less powerful. I think people are naturally halfway ready for them. Uh, I think it's very weak to Jeskai. Sure. Because everything dies to Clarion. And... Claim the Firstborn only hits Monkarter Giant, which smart players will just not play. Sure. Right? Reasonably often, because they just don't want it hitting them for four. And then, like, you just, you have a lot of cards that just aren't very high impact. What, what's, the, what's the draw to playing a deck like this? It, it's very clean. You get to play aggro. Like, you have a good man devil. Like, you have a bunch of engines you can use. Like, it really appeals to a bunch of people... As a long-time Jeskai player recently, it's always seemed super weak. When I look at it from a food perspective, like, you just, you have less of all, you, you're missing, 
Like you're playing a trail of you're playing a matchup where trail of crumbs is the only card that matters about trail of crumbs. And I have all the cards that are like that you like, and you're trying to win with like Ranko or Priest instead. It just doesn't seem like it's gonna work, right? Like I can just kill those murderous rider or Wicked right. Wolf or whatever, and just I'm just on you're on the back foot the entire time. So whenever you're counting on like Engar's rampage and playing the Firstborn, you'd better be right. Right, it's an important sense. Yeah, we, we played a great Henge deck earlier today, and uh, we had somebody main deck Embereth Shieldbreaker, our great Henge that we actually resolved early. It was pretty heartbreaking. In game one. In game one. Uh, two copies of it, though, in the sideboard for uh, Dmitry Budakov. They were playing like a Tamur deck, and they Dumbries ambushed our creature, and then great Henge <laughs> got right. smashed. And yeah. we were like, what happened to our lives? <laughs> we won the game, I think. Yeah, we did. We yeah. did. Four duress, two, three noxious grasp, two scorching dragon fire, two drill bits, two theater of horrors, and uh, the Empress shell. Yeah, theater of horrors is uh, an interesting card. I've seen it every now and then. It's sort of another way to get graduate card advantage. But again, I just sort of feel like you're playing small ball with this deck. Oh, I like that. I like that analogy. You're you're bunting. <laughs> yeah, you're not bunting, but you are bunting. You're bunting. Yeah, yeah. You're bunting. All right, Elizabeth Rice playing Jund fires. Yes. So how is this, de- How I mean, obviously color-wise, but like, what are the, what's the draw to playing Junfires versus a Jeskai Fires deck, which has co- clearly been more successful of the two what's, so far? So Bond of Flourishing, can we highlight that card, please? Sure. Bond of Flourishing is 1G. Look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a permanent card, put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order you gain free life. So Shimmer of Possibility lives... <laughs> has Bond of Flourishing. It's not even... Like, the three life versus having to reveal the card is actually an interesting question of which is often more important in today's standard, right? You really don't want to give away that you found it or didn't find it, in some sense. Right. So basically, this is just a lot of good creatures. The Crossing Beasts, your Cavaliers, you know, your Bone Crusher Giants, even Biogenic Ooze and Ugin. The, the, dream, the dream here is to be able to, like... Play fires of you know off of a fires of invention. Play biogenic ooze and then have the mana to activate the ooze, right? Like yeah, and then later you have casualties of war for like super powerful high end. The problem is without the blue, deck will not flow the same way as a like you don't have the you don't you do not have the set up these devastating turns where you sweep the board with your clarion. You don't have the same flow of cards that you have with the blue cards. The deck is very much more a case of, like, I'm going to play a bunch of powerful cards, and I'm going to play them faster because I have fires. Right. But then I'm sort of going to be out of gas. And you had Cavalry of War is a pretty powerful endgame, but I have I have been very unimpressed by every attempt to build uh, this type of deck so far. Uh, the sideboard seems to be, like, Shifting Ceratops, Duress, Return to Nature, very straightforward. Um, I, just, I don't feel like the games without fires, you're playing like a deck that's as good at playing inefficiently, in some sense, right? Because you're playing cards that they they can almost certainly deal with. Uh, when you do have fires, I feel like you often run out of gas. I feel like your ability to push through and actually win the game after doing powerful things is less than you'd like, often. Right. But it's still a very powerful core thing, right? So. Uh, we see Eric Froelich playing what looks like. Basically the same it's list you saw for Ben Stark. Yeah, they, they've been working together for a while. Yeah. The same list. Uh, Esther Trujillo is playing uh, Gruel Adventure. This was a deck we saw a little bit of at the last Mythic Championship. 
Yeah, this is a deck I thought would probably, you know, I would have expected to get onto the list of decks near the bottom, and it ended up as a rogue instead. I'd say it under showed up. Uh, so we see only three Embercleaves, uh, two Darmory's Ambushes main, uh, clean set of creatures. Bonecrusher Giants, Love Stuck, Struck Beasts, Questing Beasts, Edgewall Innkeepers, Druids, Collectors, Rum Rock Knights, Gruel Spellbreakers. This main deck is two cards away from my Gruel list. Yes, <laughs> two Dombrey's ambushes where I have a fourth Ember Cleave and a land. Okay. Um, not counting the fact that I don't have Field of Passage right. because I just don't believe in that stuff. Right. Twenty-three lands. I don't buy this tapped land stuff. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. Twenty-three is just not enough to cast Ember Cleave when you want it to reliably. Right. But I understand it. The curve is a little bit low, but I feel like sort of this, the Pelt Collector. And Edgewall Keeper, and I'm doing both plans, and I'm going to do one or the other most of the time, is the way to build Gruel. So I very much approve of this main deck. So, sideboard has three Shield Breakers, three Ceratops. I actually like four and four myself, but they're both clearly cards that belong. Um, two Bronthodons, two, two Cinder Vines. This is one of those questions of, like, when do you want Bronthodon over Cinder Vines? And you want to actually bring these cards in. Right. I, I sort of feel like Cinder Vines is the stronger card. If you have access to it, I'm not sure what's going on there. Dormy's Ambush, there are two mains. There's only one on the board. That seems very reasonable. There's a Great Henge. There are probably places where one Great Henge is a pretty good card to bring in. I understand that. Sure, a Lava Coil. Sure, a Flame Sweep. Yeah, all right. Flame Sweep is hard to use well, though. Yeah. Right, it's just a pretty bold statement to bring in a Flame Sweep in a, in a deck of Pell Collectors and Paradise Roots. But maybe... Yeah, Edward and Keepers, like, come on, right? It's, uh... <laughs> uh, Frederico Bastos, that's a name from the past. You know, old, uh, old-time uh, Pro Tour player, assuming it's the same player. Uh, playing uh, John Sacrifice deck we've talked about a bunch. Gab Nassif on Is It Flash. Yeah, so this is, this, is the, this is the list I've been looking at, like, online, I believe. Right, and so he's he's really... Got the one Ember Cleave, does not have the 5-4 the four for 4. You know, has a very... Clean list. Yeah, this is this is pretty straightforward. From yeah, it's a pretty list. it's a pretty solid list. Yeah, I, they got the, the again they got the format they kind of wanted. Right, right. Um, Gregor Kowalski is playing. Uh, he's playing John Sacrifice. One Corvald. One Corvald. So it's interesting to see how. People have uh, Runs the made those decisions. Yeah. So one, one Garrett cursed Huntsman, which is two of, casualties of war and two casualties of war. I do understand the urging to like break up the high end because like sometimes you'll draw two high end cards and like you often want them to be different cards. Right. Um, three Wicked Wolf, two Massacre Girl, two Midnight Reaper, three Paradise Druid, two Murderous Rider, four Mayhem Devil, the one Corvold, four Gilded Goose, three three Cauldron Familiar. I do that a lot. I think that. Because the second Cauldron Familiar is often a very mediocre card. Sure. Right? Because like the first one lets you use all your ovens. The second one attacks for one. <laughs> or blocks. And if you have two Witches Ovens, you can block twice. Sure. Two of them, which is nice. But the chance, of that hap- the chance of that mattering is pretty low in general. So you know, I like at least considering trimming that, depending on the way the rest of your deck is configured. I mean, this is a, this is you know the opposite of Brian Brando went right a person who doesn't necessarily know what they want, right? And and the thing about Greg Greg actually had a tweet the other day where he didn't he was talking about how people were complaining about testing matchups they don't like or the thing about Greg is he is just known for he like 
played his way onto the Channel Fireball playtest team, right? By just being this guy who was a relentless playtester, would like put in, um, you know, hundreds of hours on a deck and really like be very, very detail oriented about his cards. And, you know, the famous story is they, someone after he finished second at a legacy GP, you know, someone asked them about, you know, well, you're an expert on this deck. And he's like, well, I've only played a, a hundred matches with it, you know, or something like that on, you know, magical. And they were like, what? <laughs> you, you know, you, you got a hundred matches in with it. Um, so I, I think when I see numbers like this from Greg, I feel like they are backed up. They're not, they're, they're backed up by a lot of, uh, a lot of hard work. Now I see sort of the, the brain that wants this mix, right? I understand how they all combine Three Wicked Wolves, two Masker Girls, two Midnight Reapers, a, have just enough of all of the things. We move on to the sideboard, scroll down a bit, right? We see, you know, two Nephilim Knights, two Cinder Vines, two Upstart... It all makes... Three, three Brontodons. Again, I am... The one place where, I mean, Brontodon against Aggro with Embercleave is a better card than Cinder Vines. That is the one place. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess if you think that's a really important place to be... Um, slash you revalue the body against Jeskai for some reason. But, yeah, I mean, this list is a very good mix of different numbers if you think that there isn't just a right answer of what you just want to always be doing. Okay. So Isaac Crutt playing Golgari Adventure. Just take a quick look and see if there's anything interesting going on there. Uh, nothing jumps out as being... So, uh, Johnny McConan... John McConan play another Racto Sacrifice player. Again, like, it's a very similar list, right? Chandra Acolyte of Flame is the one difference, I think. Yeah. That's worth noting. Uh, I think it does belong in the deck. Yeah. Javier Dominguez on Simic Flash. Uh, this is definitely a different direction than he's gone in several events. <laughs> you know? Uh, I think he knows when to call it a deck. Yeah. <laughs> so... So yeah. he's also playing the Four Night Pack Ambusher, the Four Frilled Mystic, the Hydrant Crasis. The Four Nisses. Uh, four Nisses, two each of Crasis, Brazen Borrower, three Paradise Druid, um, four Growth Spiral, three Sinister Sabotage, three Quench, one Negate, two Dispute, two Ether Gossip, 26 Lions. Yeah, very similar to to Brad Nelson's. Yeah, interesting. Um, two Kenrith Transformations to Brad's one Kenrith Transformation, so... I wonder if they were talking or working together. Can't just together. elk one thing. Come yeah. on. It doesn't carry the tradition forward. One wants one elk. Um, well, this is kind of interesting to see. Uh, Jean-Emmanuel Duprat, member of the MPL. So this is the, the new hotness that's all over the ladder right now. This is Teamer Adventure. Yes. So this is... And the big spicy card here is three Escape to the Wilds. Yes. I like playing three. Uh, I saw some most before. I think the fourth one is pushing it. And if you haven't played Escape to the Wilds, this card is sweet. It is three red-green. Uh, exile the top five cards of your library. You may play cards exile this way until the end of your next turn. Very important. Uh, and you may play an additional land this turn. So th this card really so there's something pushes you yeah, ahead. There's something very, very interesting about this list. It's a card that's missing. Okay, so let's talk about what is in the list. Four Brazen Borrower, four Fay of Wishes... Four Bone Crusher Giant, four Beanstalk Giant, four Hydroid Crasis, three Escape to the Wild, four Lucky Clovers, four Growth Spirals, two Return to Natures, 
main deck. Yes, because and, the, the main enemies both have cards that you really want to do that's something to. Right. And no edge wall innkeepers. Yes, that's become Hydroid Krasis. Wow. We have a full four Grove Spirals. 27 lands, by the way. 27 lands. And we're just in on Hydroid Krasis. Is this the spiciest? This is the spiciest so far for me. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of high end. This is a lot of expensive cards. And that's... Yeah. I was going to say, that's what this is... Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Escape from the Wild is in that slot. Yeah, Escape from the Wild. Uh, also, the Beanstalk Giant Lucky Clover to sort of start pushing you... Yeah, High uh, Crisis is not often... Does not play nice if Escape from the Wilds. Sometimes it doesn't matter because you just... I just Escape from the Wilds, I'll play an extra land and then I'll untap and I'll play Hydro Crisis for everything and it's fine. Right. But it's very much... This deck is doing a lot of very intensive things. It's got Hydro Crisis, it's got Fae of Wishes, it's got Escape to the Wilds. You know, it's got a bunch of... It's got Beanstalk Giants. I worry there's just too much here. Yeah, and this is another 13 unique card sideboard. Yeah. Once in the future, uh, doing double duty. As in, like, card do you actually bring in? Yeah, two once in futures, two mystical disputes, everything else is a one-of. Return to Nature, Lava Coil, Aether Gust, Negate. Escape to the Wilds, number four, Frogify. Yeah. Chandra Awakened Inferno, Flame Sweep, Plain White Celebration, Flo Fry and Fling. Yep. I I mean, the, the, the Go Get Fry, Go Get... There's no Expansion Explosion in this list? I'm right? not seeing one, no. So that's a card that's normally in these people's sideboards. Because the idea is that, like, first of all, it's just the most, most powerful thing you can do with infinite mana. <laughs> right? It's just Explosion something. But also just... I have a Beanstalk Giant in play. So I wish for fling and expansion explosion. <laughs> and I fling you twice and you're dead. <laughs> okay. My lucky clover, right? Yeah. Is a thing that definitely happens. Um, so the, right. So I, I would have liked to see an expansion explosion find its way. I'm sure the conclusion was it just wasn't worth it because that card is on the radar. I also like Embercleave in the board. Sure. For, a, way, a way to push that beanstalk for, giant through for, for lethal. Or that hydroid crisis. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I have to explain why that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sweet. This deck is... Uh, I'm I'm going to be looking forward to seeing this deck on camera. I'm definitely rooting for it. I, um, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, it feels all, crazy to not have... I mean, also... Another, yeah, well, it's got the bone crusher range, but to not have the edge wall innkeeper... Like I was so testing the last few days. I was celebrating in cards specifically to make sure you just kept that card off the board. Here, we've given up Lovestruck. We're just, we're just not doing it. Right. right. We're just not love struck beasting. We're not dwelling keepering. We're just going up up over the top. Wow. We're not even sideboarding love struck beasts because we've got a wish sideboard. We're just like, <laughs> Agra doesn't exist. This is a statement. Agra does not exist. I don't have to worry about you attacking me. You're not going to do that. Right. And we and we talked about that, that some people had made that statement of like, well, I think Agra does exist and I have four love struck beasts in my sideboard to the detriment of other things I could have here. And uh, it'll be interesting to see which of those even, two. I'm not sure if it does exist, but I'm just not willing to be flat out dead. Right? Like, I'm just not willing to just have the guard, the, the shield is just completely down, which is what you're risking if you don't cover your bases. But this, this, deck, is, this deck is sweet. I, I hope it's good. This deck is a statement. All right, moving on. Uh, Jessica Stefan, she's playing Is It Flash? Uh, we talked about this. Um, a few times here, 
Difference here, three Gadwicks, one Spectral Sailor. All right, so a Sailor taking the place of a Gadwick as a card that can get you the, the advantage you need to win the game. It's an extra instant. It's a blue. It's a one-mana blue spell, which helps you out with Cutthroat, helps out with Gadwick. Right. I find these don't actually activate very often. Right. They're mostly just a flying man flash. Yeah, but but right. Again, it, it, it activates your Cutthroat and lets you tap something with Gadwick at instant speed. But I think that's mostly fine, right? Yeah. As long as you don't go nuts. Like, one copy is fine. Quench, Negate, Opt, Ionize, Shock, Rouse, Outburst. Uh, you know. Overall signs on the board, which I don't think you would care for, but, like, some people like... You know, but Sustainable Stroke is just guys. It's kind of the, one of the best cards you can have. You know, only two mystical disputes. The Spyglasses are there. You know, pretty standard. Set no, so it seems like there's like, you know, probably 55 to 57 cards that are sort of set in stone. And then there's like a three, a three card season to taste. You sort of know yeah. what you, you know what each of the slots has to do. And sometimes you get to a different card right. that does the similar thing. Right. I'd put that way. Uh, John Rolfe. Rakdos Fires. ML, MPL member. He's playing Rakdos Fires. As you so just I, said. I noticed this deck was being tested by a few people a few days ago. I didn't realize it was, an, I didn't realize it was actually coming from the Mythic Championship. <laughs> so I have to take it more seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like a joke when you just see that of some random person. This is, this is another pretty, like, straightforward... Um, you know, four by four by four. Check out Covetous Earth. I was getting there. <laughs> Only two of those. It's not crazy. Uh, Midnight Reaper, Cauldron Familiar, Cavalier Flame, Mayhem Devil, God Eternal Bantu, and Stormfist Crusader. Four each. 24, 24 creatures. Two Covetous Urge. Um, and again, that's going to be BB, BB in this deck. And you want to see a statement that aggro does not exist. <laughs> right? Main deck covetous urge. Main deck covetous urge. Main deck playing Stormfist Crusader in a deck that isn't actually an aggro deck per se. The deck that's playing like mid range yeah. good stuff. So Stormfist Crusader, if you're not familiar, is a two two for black and red menace. At the beginning of your upkeep, each player draws a card and loses one life. Right. And a deck with only one drops are cold and familiar, which is often. Just say yeah. I. We'll have Fires of Invention, and I will cast two amazing spells per turn, and this is better than anything you can do. Right. Covetous Urge is uh, is going to be in this deck. BBB. Two B. main, two board. Two main, two board. Oh, wow. I didn't even see the second two. Uh, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from that player's graveyard or hand and exile it. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. I predict this card will take a casualties of war a lot. And then you can play it with Fires of Invention. Yeah. <laughs> I, I that's, that's some great spice. I think this wins the Spice War <laughs> so far. And we're, we're getting near the end. So this is probably going to win the Spice War. Yeah, 20, 26 cards, uh, 26 lands. Uh, sideboard is... Unfortunately, we have to play Bloodfell Caves just because our mana... You know, adjacent allied color mana sucks. Right. Also, we want to play Covet... We have to support Covetous Urge. So like, we, can only yeah. play two, we only have two mountains. Do you have enough black sources for you? Oh, he does, he does have four steam vents, by the way. So, I mean, technically, you know, technically we're getting into Grixis here. <laughs> I mean, that's just, like, the world's worst blood caves, right? Blood <laughs> drops. Like, it's just so bad. Like, I just... I, I love where the head's at. Four steam vents in his uh, Rakdos Fires deck. Just to support a blue-black hybrid card. I love it. 
Jean Giradat, uh playing Timor Re- Timor Reclamation. So again, the interesting thing about Reclamation was that the MPL players all passed. Right. Right. Like Seth Manfield played Rivals. You know, made it to day two. We saw we saw a lot of a lot of the MPL players actually played it in Rivals. I saw I think I saw Huey playing it. I think I saw Reed playing it as well. And then we didn't see much of them after that. Because they realized, we just realized that no, it's not that well positioned. It's not that consistent. This deck has a lot of problems. So here we see two Mendicant visits. Two Bone Crusher Giants, three Brazen Borrowers. Scorching Dragonfire, so like someone knows where they want to be. Right. Yeah, four Chemistry's Insights, two Mystical Disputes, two Negates, four Growth Spirals, two Dragonfires, three Ops, two Flame Sweeps, and of course, four Expansion Explosion, which is what you're relying on here as your win condition. Yeah, so like you can just see it when you look at the deck list, like you know, in the light of day, kind of, right? You can see how fragile this plan is. Yeah, this, this deck feels like it falls apart to a Thought Erasure. It falls apart to a lot of things. Yeah, and not you know not a, not a great counterspell deck, not a, you know it's it's kind of, I mean this this deck is really in on sticking a Niv Mizzet, and and there's only two of them. Yeah. So interesting, interesting to see how this deck goes. Uh, Twenty six lands. Uh, anything interesting happening in the sideboard? The Night Pack Ambusher in the sideboard is kind of interesting. That's become a at least a semi standard yeah. card. Uh, I, it's one of those cards I like to have four zero, just yep. because the second ambusher is so backbreaking. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan Carnes playing Golgari Adventure. Just seeing if it's nope. It's the Rotting Registrar, Vivian One, Great Henge, etc. Only two Great Henges. They have Return to Nature yeah. instead. Cat Light. Uh, she's playing Golgari Sacrifice. So and four casualties of war. It's the black green, again, very, very much you know in the vein of croquis. Yes, uh, except murders. So we murders rider, but not midnight reaper. Right. So midnight reaper is a sacrifice. Um. In order to get everything else, basically, I think. Is what happened. All right. Let's see what else is going on in this tournament. Ritual of Soot in the board. Um, the hold on. And drill bit. Zvi, your presence may be felt. I don't know if he did it. Ken Yukihiro. Five what? color fires. Do you think he did it? Did he do I'm it? I'm so rooting for did this he man do it? all the did way. Did he do it? Did he do it? He did it. He did it. Four. 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 Four Gilded Goose. Four Paradise Druid. Two Hydride Crisis. One Kenrith the Return King. Four Niv Mizzet Reborn. Oh my god, Ken Yukihiro. Four Teferi. <laughs> Four Casualties of War. Three Escape to the Wilds. Wow, I love this deck. Four Fires of Invention and Four Growth Spiral. Wow, that gives him room for 26 lands. And uh, oh my god, he did it. So basically, just... No cat engine. Like, I, but I, I smashed with the cat engine. Yes, yes. And Ken is like, no, 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 no. The cats, cats are small time. Yeah. Let's just escape. <laughs> <laughs> We're just doing it. So he wants to get, he wants to hit, like, he can hit a Teferi, a Hydrant Crisis, a Casualties of War, an Escape to the Wild, and like a Growth Spiral on one. I love it. I mean, I don't he, know if it's good. Like, like, like the we did the same thing about this last time. Right? We saw Ken Yuki here, right? <laughs> it's 
I love it in theory. I don't know if I love it in practice. The sideboard is some spice too. Like we got four shifting Ceratops, which again, you know who you want to hit. Four D Sparks. Yep. Four Deputy of Detention. Okay. This is Ken's style, right? Ken is very much a. I'm not going to spread it around and cover my bases and sideboard more carefully. I am going to hammer your ass <laughs> in exactly the way I think matters. Uh, one cameras to return king, so that brings him up to two between main and side, and then two Tolsmir friend to wolves. It, again, this is kind of anti-aggro, like incremental attack. Right. Right. It's a very good, solid way to get slightly ahead. Um, if you think Love Struck Beast is too small time for you, <laughs> too, really too, too good for a Love Struck Beast. Ken is like, that's called messing around. Love struck, I don't do that. You can't hit a Love Struck Beast off of your Niv Mizzet. No, you cannot. <laughs> this is sort of the, the opposite philosophy of the build I had, right? Like, even though it's on the same cards, yeah. Like, this is a five color fires designed to make Niv Mizzet hit a lot of cards, designed to play a bunch of incremental, like, good stuffy cards of various colors. Yes, he. He wins the Mythic Championship 7 Dune Award for the most spice. Yes. We thought we had a winner in the Black Red Fires. You were incorrect. The award goes to Kenny Kihiro, barring... Barring some, some crazy some turn of votes. in the last few slots. Kenji Igashira playing Teamer Reclamation. Um, taking a look at his list. My guess is it's completely just a separate design from my design, by the way. Just completely... Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, possible. I mean, he might have... He might have been inspired at the last yeah. minute, but like, I don't think so. I think it's... Yeah. That kind of thing needs more than one data to <laughs> uh, Taking a look at uh, Kenji Gashira's uh, Team of Reclamation deck. So four Arboreal Grazers is definitely worth noting, right? Yes. Yeah. The deck definitely has a problem when you give up on you give up cards, right? And then you just hit a bunch of air. So putting four extra copies of air, so you have 27 lands and four Arboreal Grazers, you know, and only three Canvasters Insights, for example, like... Right. To help get out of the air problem afterwards. This, like, the one thing is I look at this list and I see, okay, we have three canvassers insights, we have four expansion explosion, and we have two castle vantress. And otherwise, it's air, 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 as far as the eye can see, and four ops. <laughs> and I'm just terrified playing this list that I'm just going to fizzle. Right. Right, I'm just going to get my mana and then not do anything. Right. Um, yeah, uh, it's, feels like it's missing some kind of like sock in the mouth. Yeah, also, kind of card. isn't that Bone Crusher Giant? So it's like very much dedicated to its A plan. Like it's got four Brazen Borrowers to help against a fairy. Yep. So it's like this person knows what they want. You've got a, you know, the sideboard has one Div Mizzet. Because the other ones we saw had two Div Mizzet's main. Right, that's, that's the card that to me is, feels like it's missing here. I mean, it, it feels like... I like Niv Mizzet a lot, largely because it is another way to just not get air, right? Like, if you hit Niv Mizzet, suddenly you're up for the races. Right. And I feel like this deck is just too big a risk of fizzle with that right. build. A couple of Biogenic Oozes in the sideboard, too. Yep. Uh, Kohei Yoshino, he's playing a Azorius Control List, uh, Brazen Borrower, two Gadwick, two Agent of Treachery main. All four Planar Cleansings. Yeah, four planet cleansings and all two time wipes. All four chemistry's insights. Yep. Uh, ten counter spells, two quench, four Dovin's veto, four absorb. Very two, clean list again. Two time wipe, one mass manipulation. Two gadabooks and two agents of treachery. So he's yeah. got, got this control, the, the the stealing sub theme at the top to go with the gadabooks. Yeah. Um. 
Interesting. How do, how do you like this list compared to some of the uh, MPL Azorius decks we've seen? Got three giant killers on the board, so he's got that base covered. <laughs> uh, the finale of Revelations in the sideboard, but it's still available. Uh... Apostle of Purifying Light, three copies in the sideboard, obviously. A, uh, yeah, it covers a, a, a cat. Uh, but the cat came answer. back. No, no, it didn't. Yeah. No, it didn't. Um, and they're very similar in many ways. You know, the, the six sweepers versus six sweepers is a split 4 2. Um, third time might not being available is the kind of thing that scares me. Sure. But you just, you know who you are, you know who you want to, you what you're betting on, you go for it. Um, I worry this list is weak to aggro, but, you know, because of that kind of thing. But again, aggro didn't show. This was just a lot, to, a lot of advantages. And like, if you brought four canvassers insights and your opponent has zero, <laughs> and you're playing a white blue control mirror. Or your opponent has one or two. Which we've sideboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be a bad time. Yeah. Right, for them. Like, you're going to have a pretty big edge with this kind of list. So right? you think if Yoshino gets into, like, a, uh, a control lane in the tournament, that... The, the four chemistry insights are a big backbreaker for him. I think it's really big. I think it's just a matter of, like, you're going to play a waiting game no matter what, and you're going to hit your land drops better. Right. Right? And keep your solids, keep a hollow at hand and discard the junk, especially in game one. Uh, Li Shi Tian playing Jun Sacrifice. Yep. So three casualties of war, uh, two Corvolds, uh, which are, seem to have been the big areas of... Disagreement. Disagreement, yes. Seen one, we've seen two, we've seen four. Can we find a three? <laughs> Um, but let's keep moving and look at different decks. Yeah, Luke, different numbers. Yeah, Lucas Esper Bear 2. He's playing uh, Simic Ramp. So this is, again, a uh, list very similar to what we saw. Very close. Only one quasi-duplicate. Only one quasi-duplicate, yeah. Um, uh, one agent, right? Yeah. Because you got it's a very good card to get with the uh, two finales of Devastation. One Gilded Goose. That's the big. That's the big difference. So basically, broad agreement as right. to what has to happen. Twenty-eight lands here. I think that's one Tw higher. Twenty-eight lands, four growth spirals. Four growth spirals. Yeah. Yeah, and so. uh, the Leafkin Druids and the one Gelded Goose and two Arboreal Razors. So. Yeah, I continue to be skeptical, but you know, not overly skeptical. Just like skeptical is quite there. Right. right. Like. Yeah. All right, Luis Salvato, Seltai Ramp. Oh wait, we talked about a. We talked about the abomination already. Yeah. And here it is again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and again, this is all about is Casualties of War good for this tournament? And is it better on turn four? <laughs> now, there is a Tamio apparently in both builds. I yeah. Skipsing. It just, it feels like, yes, this is the same exact, same exact deck. The spice that I was like concerned about actually made it into the final submission. Yeah, I just, you're hoping that you have a good magic against specific decks that showed up. Um, this deck is very bad against Blue Red Flash. Okay. All right, that's something to keep an eye out for this weekend. Uh, Marcelino Freeman, uh, one of the challengers in this tournament. Fae of Wishes build. Playing Jeskai, yep, with Fae of Wishes. Jeskai fires. Still has the Sphinxes. Yep. One Justice Strike. Uh, Mar Marcio Carvalho, playing Jun Sacrifice. We got two Corvolds. Two three casualties. Woo! I do, I, I do like a... Uh, that's I, I do like a Yavamaya Granger. It's very incremental. And like that feels like what the deck does not need more of, but Yeah, I don't know. I mean it's basically a pretty solid list, right? Like otherwise it's, that's the one surprise. It helps you cast your stuff. It helps you set up Corvald. Yeah. Know? Hey yeah, his deck is uh his his deck does look a little different than the others with the district guides. 
Yeah, but it's, it's the same idea, right? Yep, it's the same, yep. Same basic Three concept. casualties of war. Martin Musa, Golgari Sacrifice. Uh, let's take a look. Two casualties of war. He's got a Bolus' Citadel main deck. Yep. So that's something we haven't... Uh, we saw one person with... We saw two out of Outlander Hate, right? Yeah, but he was playing a completely, a, a completely different deck. Yes. Uh, so this is, you know, a Gilded Goose. It's four Goose, four Cauldron, Familiar, four Midnight Reaper, three Wicked Wolf, three Paradise Druid, one Massacre Girl, four Rider, one Vraska, two Casualties, four Witches Oven, four Trial of Crumbs, and then the yeah, one... It's one of these decks that have, like, you know, if they were told they had to play 75 cards, instead of 60, <laughs> they'd have, they know what they want. Right. But now they have to cut that down to 60. And so the difference is about, like, okay, which cards quite make it. And, like, I wrote an article today going over, like, literally all the options that I can think of that came out today on uh, Cool Stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I haven't read that yet. We were, so, yeah. we were meetings all day. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, this deck. I, I like this deck. This deck seems sweet. It's all like, gold. A little, little bit of spice. Not going to win the award, but a little bit of spice. A little bit. Not even close, but yes. Uh, Matthew Nass of Two Bone Crusher Giants. He's playing Jeskai Fires. Yep. So, two Kenrith, four Teferi, four Deafening Clarion, three Shimmer. He's got the four Sphinx of Foresight. The one just a strike and two Aether Gusts. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a pretty standard set of cards at this point. Deck the one dropped in the board, so it could be worked with Paolo, as you would expect. Uh, Miguel Guerrero Leon. He's also playing Teamer Reclamation. Uh, Escape to the Wild, Wilderness Reclamation. Main deck Frilled Mystic. Main deck Frilled Mystic and two Niv Mizzet Parun, Parun as opposed to what we saw zero from uh, Kenji. Yeah. So we got three Bonecrusher Giants to go with three Brazen Borrowers and the two Frilled Mystics. So we're like, and four Escape to the Wild. So again, like, the concern of like, we're going to hit air, we're not going to hit air. Yeah. And this is also fewer lands. 25 is light. 25 feels like it might be a little light. I think it's a little light. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking at an opt and being thinking about maybe, maybe cutting yeah. one. Well, just maybe to, cut a flame just sweep. Keep the land. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it just it feels it feels really aggressive in terms of its like just shove everything in here. I'm ex- I'm excited to see people playing Escape to the Wilds. I, I, oh, I, I love Escape to the Wilds. I, yeah, I love that fun, card. It's fun to watch. Uh, Miguel de Cruz Simos. He's playing Judd Sacrifice. Uh, Mike Sigrist, is he playing? No, he's playing no, Just no, Guy he's Fires. Just playing Just Guy Fires. He's playing the same deck. Chris he's playing. Like, I'm not giving you daddy information whatsoever. <laughs> um, again, pretty similar. Very. I think it's the same list as Nas. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Mimi Arthur, Golgari Adventure. And uh, this is another Smitten Swordmaster deck. So this this looks. Uh, this is a third one of these we've seen. It looks very similar. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how this deck performs. Lucky Clover, Smitten Swordmaster. We've seen, Je- we've seen Paolo's list. Yeah, Jeskai Fires, Pierre Volu. Sorry, Jeskai Fires. Um, Two are- Time Wipes. Okay. Four Shimmer of Possibilities. Yes, so I, I admire that. Like, two Gatabooks on the board. It's worth talking about. And Crush Contraband. I don't even know what that does. <laughs> Crush Contraband is 3W... For an instant, choose one or both. Exile target artifact, exile target enchantment. Wow. <laughs> and two Schottenbergs on the board as well? Yeah. Like. Yeah, the sideboard here, two Goths, four Mystical Dispute, two Disenchant, which seems to be the standard now. I mean, Sandra, 
It's divide very between. good against the blue light control deck specifically because they are not designed to actually kill people. Like, Strosky was saying we literally can't beat a genre emblem. We don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Which I think it's a slight exaggeration, but it's an interesting statement to make. <laughs> well, it's good that he's down to slight exaggerations because he... <laughs> Uh, that's nice. Uh, another. Like retire from magic again. Yeah, <laughs> it's been very good to him. Don't knock it. It's it's been a good strategy. Well, he's not qualified. So he might as well retire. <laughs> yeah. uh, Pearson Lachlan uh, Golgari sacrifice four casualties of war. Um, could be croquis. I don't know. Um, Piotr Golgowski. He's also playing John Sacrifice. Two, two core balls, so we're still missing a three. Yeah, we're still missing. Cycle. Uh, four casualties of war. Um, pretty straight. Yeah, that, that deck looks, you know, pretty straightforward. Yeah, sorry to people who are listed later on, but uh, well, you know, if we've if we've touched on an archetype, yeah, we're not gonna. We, we don't want to. We don't want to dive in. Let's take a look. We got another Simic Flash deck here. This one from only three Nessus, which I actually like. Raymond Nevison. Four Gilded Goose. Yeah. In this build. And yeah, so we've got the Cutthroats, we've got the Mystics, we've got four Brazen Borrowers. The Night, the night Pack Ambushers. So yeah, I three like this a lot, actually. Yeah, and then two Mystical Dispute, four Growth Spiral, four Sinister Sabotage, yeah, I and don't three know Quench. I don't know if it's right, like Gilly Goose over Paradise Druid, but I understand the impetus, certainly. Well, what, what do you see as what do you see that as the impetus here? Well, I'm, on turn one, I can tap my mana. Four. On turn two, I'm not so sure. <laughs> and also that um, it gives me another thing I can do with my mana if you don't do anything I can make food I can sacrifice food you know and then I can you know, do my thing later so oh, I, I like that a lot. a lot of staying power I like that a lot that makes a lot of sense thank you that's great uh, Ray Sada playing Jeskai Fires uh, only three Teferis one is on the board okay. Solar Blaze over Time Wipe and a person around me okay would be the highlights though uh, Reed Duke, we, we watched a little bit of Reed playing this week. We didn't feel like we saw a lot of Reed winning this if week. If someone that wasn't Reed Duke <laughs> was submitting this list, I would be like, oh my, this person is dead. But despite all of the, like, I've seen Reed tournament after tournament test the hell out of a Jund or Green Black deck that looks by all rights like it does very little. And tries to just generate like a one card advantage, and like, yep, yeah, turns out it's good enough, just barely good enough. And this is the latest attempt to do that. Edgewall Innkeeper, four, three Murderous Rider, one Order of Midnight, four Foulmire Knight, four Lovestruck Beast, four Beanstalk Giant, two Paradise Druid, three Vraska, one Liliana, four Casualties of War, one Duress, one Fine Finality, which can be a pretty sweet card in these adventure lists. It's a very sweet card when it works. Yeah. Three Lucky Clover. Yeah. So we've seen some decks going no away else, from... No one else has any number but four or zero. Yeah. 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 25 lands. 25 lands. And then, uh, you know, what looks like a pretty standard... Four Shifting Ceratops is the highlight. Yeah. yeah. Three Duresses. This deck did not seem like it matched up well against the deck his teammates are playing. I don't think it's very good against the blue-red deck. And I don't think it's particularly good against Jeskai. Um, I'm guessing the good matchup is Cats. I'm assuming four casualties of war, without being that vulnerable to casualties of war, is the idea is, you know, you can accelerate with Beanstalk Giant, establish better mana base, but yeah, I don't know what Ray's thinking here. 
I, I know we, I mean, I do try to like, I'm just, it's just, it has exactly the tools that I need and, right. you know, making sure I get exactly what I need. Right. Uh, Ronald Mueller playing Jeskai Fires. Um, so. Yeah, very standard. Uh, Simic Flash from Seth Manfield. So this is very similar to the list from Brad Nelson. Yep. Maybe a couple of minor changes. Very minor. Uh, Shahar Shenhar. Is it Flash again? Uh, he's playing, it looks like, just card for card with yeah, Cuneo. Yeah, so it's Yep. No, it's card for card with Nassif. Oh, with Nassif, okay. And Huey, yeah. Shota Yasaoka. Five, five fires color fire. not a one of. It is a two of. <laughs> Whoa, this is different. His, his list on. is different. For Golos Tireless Pilgrim. Yeah, what is Shota doing? I love this. There might be a battle for this the... This is not Niv Visit. All right, yeah. no, 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 no. Shota can't. You, without the, if you play the Divisit version, you win the Spice War over the Golos version. You do? Like, okay. Just, okay. On. Okay. I understand wanting to activate Golos, but <laughs> four, be, three Beanstalk Giant, three Hydroid Crisis, two Kenrith, two Agent of Treachery, four Golos Tireless Pilgrim, four Teferi, four Casualty of War, two Time Wipe, uh, four Growth Spiral, four Fires of Invention. 28 lands. I like how Golos is listed twice. I mean, yeah, yeah. you don't miss it. Yeah, Golos <laughs> also listed under Artifact. And uh, very few of these lands repeat. It is a lot of one-ofs. He's got one of every basic. Um, There's no food of the dead involved, so yeah. it's just voluntary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted to do. Yeah, I I, I, I want to make it. sure Golos finds exactly the land that I want. Let's see, what, what land spice do we have? We have very little, actually. We have... Um, do we even gain life with our lands? No, I think our, all our life gain is probably just Kenrith. Yeah, so it's just find the mana that we need, find a temple. Right. And then, and then go to work with Golos as a, a, card, a card draw advantage engine. Yeah, so like, look, I am skeptical. <laughs> even, like, substantially more so than the, the, the Nim visit list. And I was already like, you know, I hope this works, but, you know... It's gonna be rough, man. <laughs> yeah, both of these are. are I'm working are, for the guy. Both of these are quite spicy. Also has Tulsimer in the board. Yeah, he's like, why not? I, I love the testing group of like, well, we agree that this is the way we want to go, but we're not sure if it should be Golos or Nim Visit. <laughs> uh, Simone Rakuto playing Simic Ramp, three Nisses, <laughs> uh, Incubation Incongruity is a. I like Incubation Incongruity in this deck, by the way. I, I've been wanting to fit that into these builds but not knowing how ever. Yeah. Like it always seems like I just have other things I need to be doing more. But, but. you know, look, looks very similar. Just some different choices around the edges. Uh, Stanislav Sivka not playing the blue-white deck. Sivka went Golgari Sacrifice. Yes. Two Casualties of War, one Bolus to Citadel, four Witches' Ovens, um, four Murder Strider, three Wicked Wolf, one Massacre Girl, four Midnight Reaper. So either Sifka... Cauldron Familiar, Druid, and... So either Sifka came back to Blue White after the deadline, or just actually knows this is better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm skeptical of only two casualties of war. Uh, one more casualty of war out of the sideboard. Yeah, even so. we got the Bolus instead of the main. Skeptical you can get away from the only Massacre Girl. Again, access to two, but it's still pushing it. It is worse of open deck lists, but... You know, it's also kind of a card you want the threat of. Oh, I think we found Crokey's. It's probably Stephen Croak. Yeah, I think it is, too. <laughs> uh, I can't confirm this is his list. <laughs> like, looking at the list. <laughs> so this is, this is really, like, this is... 
patient one for this green black sacrifice deck, right? Yes, he's been playing sacrifice decks for a month. I watched him finalize this deck live on his stream. Probably a big part of why this deck is so popular, too. Oh, yes. Uh, so three Cauldron Familiar, which I know you like, three Wicked Wolf, four Gilded Goose, three Midnight Reaper, four Murderous Rider, two Masker Girl, three Thrashing Brontodon. This feels like a deck that knows what jobs it needs He knows to exactly do. what he needs against every magic. We watched him explain it in a spreadsheet. One Vraska... And spreadsheet, I need a notepad yeah, that was open. Yeah. One Vraska Guglari Queen, four Casualties of War, and then four and four on the Oven and the Trilochromes. Yep. 25 lands. This man knows exactly what he's doing. He might not be right. We'll find out. <laughs> right. He knows exactly what he wants in every matchup. Like, feels very, very strongly about, like, exactly individual cards, making matchups, you know, slightly usable, you know. It has to feel very, very comfortable in the mirror. I have no doubt. So, all right. That's, that's, a, that's a player to keep your eye on. You're probably, you might not be familiar with him uh, if you're not uh, following a lot of the popular magic streams right now, right. but this but is some... a challenger, you know, that wasn't, like, you know, a Nassif. Yep. He's there. He's your guy. Okay. To watch out for. Uh, Turiya Kukamai. Rakdos Sacrifice. Looks pretty much... Well, he doesn't have uh, Engrass Rampage. Right. Really. Just for Claim the Firstborn. Which I think might just be better. Rook's Moraldi Revelor. That's some spice. Oh, that That's is. not normally in that deck. No, no. Has Stormfish Crusader, which again, normally is only in the Night Ducks. We've seen a bunch... We've seen several lists just run Stormfish Crusader as a, just a card. Like, I just think I want to draw more cards... So let's just do this. Right. Yeah, I am very skeptical of this list being good enough. Like, this feels like just not quite there. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, Kukamai subscribes to the philosophy of fire. He's won Grand Prix playing, uh, you know, Mono Red Burn. This is something he is very, very good at. And getting his opponent just exactly dead is, is something that... Uh, I, I'm very interested to see, you know, how he ended up uh, with this list and whether or not it, it, it I mean, is good again, against. I mean, it's a very clean list of all fours. Knows what he wants. You know, I'm just like, we'll see. All right, three lists left: Theo Moutier, Moutier, uh, Golgari Sacrifice, three Casualties of War, all the usual suspects. Yep. Tian Fa Moon, Jeskai Fires. Uh, again, no wishes, no wishes. This is, you know, I would call this as uh, V fires. This is almost exactly as V fires. The fourth bone crusher giant has made it instead of the drawn from dreams. The sideboard again, is sticking very close to the original. Yeah. Four legion war boss. There is now disenchants and a third devout decree and justice strike. Okay. And then All our reasonable choice. Aether gust is gone. Yeah. And then our last player, uh, in the tournament, William, Johnson, Huey Jensen, Jensen, the Hall of Famer. Company. Yeah. yeah. They built it together. You know, the one blast zone, the four Gadwicks, all very straightforward. All right. So having looked at these lists, what are, what are you uh, going to be watching for on Friday? Uh, I, I know the thing that I'm looking for is Autumn Burchett and, and Five two color other players. Five color nib. Five color nib. <laughs> five color <laughs> not, not five color Golos. I mean... Don't get me wrong, I have a backup plan. <laughs> but Ken is the Yuka hero we need, like, in the MTL. Yeah. He has proven it tournament after tournament. <laughs> he, 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 I, I've said it before. If he was 
from Madison, Wisconsin, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he is. You I know, hope there is still time. Yes, <laughs> me too. Because me too. I am ready to vote for him. <laughs> I have not checked the stats, and I do not care. <laughs> uh, that'll be good at the induction ceremony. Um, yeah, no, that, 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 those, those two decks seem pretty, both Shota Yasoka and Ken Yukihiro playing... Um, Five color fires version. It does feel like they talked and then yes. they just diverged a little they, bit. And they each went their separate way. They both got there. Feels like they talked. Some things were said. They had a huge fight. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll show you. I'm like, why not both? But <laughs> didn't quite make it. <laughs> um, I, I am very excited to see the Golgari Adventures deck that is like supercharged, is looking to do like basically combo drain your opponent out with. Smitten Swordmaster, um, Autumn Burchett playing it, Ali Warfield playing it. We saw one other player at least playing it. Um, this is sort of this is this is the field that we expected. Yeah, but with more diversity. Yeah. Than I feared. Right. This is sort of all of my numbers were slightly high. Okay. But only slightly high. Right. Right. And the Adventures came in at like ten point six, and I had them at like nine. Yeah. Yeah. And then I had like you know, is it Flash at ten, and it came in at nine, and I just got it like. 20 and it came in at 20 to 22 and it came in at 17 and you know i had food at 33 and it came in at 24 i think that with this lower amount of food and the amount to which a lot of players were just not willing to hate on the top decks the way that i would have been willing to hate on the top decks if i was in a serious prep mode i think i want to be at the center right if i'm just one of these players i want to be playing food I'm not playing food. I want to be playing Just Guy. I expect the top decks to overperform. Okay. So you, you think you think we'll, we'll see a lot of diversity on day one in terms of the metagame, possibly to some extent manipulated by the people who are choosing what's on camera, but on day two, it's going to become increasingly... I mean, that's what you want to do, right? Yes. You, like, if we don't see five color Niv on camera, the, 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 they've not done their job. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then as we get into day two and we go deeper into the tournament, we're going to see more... Jeskai Fire Mirrors, more cat matchups, um, how those decks more pair more... against each other, and whether or not yeah. the it decks and the Simic decks, right? Those are the two decks that big pods of players have chosen. I think it will also, you know, I think, I mean, is it? it's not fair. The players playing this deck are absurd. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll overperform, but that won't necessarily tell you it's a great deck. That'll tell you it's great players. Sure. It is, a, it is a, so we, we talked about this a little bit, like where the, the Golgari deck suits Reed, how he wants to play. You know, this is the type of deck that really suits a Huey and a Nassif and, and a Cuneo, etc. Um, where, where, they, where they are very happy to play and enjoy playing that really narrow margin magic. Yeah, I mean, I think they would also have been very happy to play cats. Yeah. Like in the end. I think if they had trained with cats and they knew they were ready for cats, I mean... I would tell the thief not to play cats because <laughs> his head's going to blow up when they think clock at zero. But like other people should be fine. Yeah. Do you think you think there's enough cats that we're going to see someone's head blow up? Do you think we're going to see? Someone I think we are a favorite to see a head blow up okay. on camera if they don't cut away. I don't think it's uh, necessarily going to happen. There aren't that much Golgari. There aren't that many Bronzadons. Like Bronzadon and Casualties of War together are what causes that to happen because the board just clears up. And both players just like, your, your top end is clear the board out. And their top end is clear the board out. And everyone just click, 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 click. Turn, 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 turn. 
And so I, I do think there's a decent chance it will happen. Note that Crookies is not going to have it happen to him. Right. Right. Crookies is ready to not let that happen. Right. And that, that's one of the challenges you say definitely keep an eye out for. Um, uh, and obviously, you know, Nassif, quote unquote, a challenger. <laughs> you know, <laughs> someone, someone to keep an eye out for. We all um, are making, we all are facing our own challenges, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're taking on a challenge. We, we're going to attempt to co-stream some of the event or whatever they're calling that. Yes. Um, on your channel. So, yeah, it says Fimashowitz. Yep, on Twitch. And It'll be uh, Friday at 9 Pacific, noon Eastern. So the two of us will be at my apartment in my streaming studio, meaning at my desktop. And the plan is we are going to put the, 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 pro, the, the, the Mythic Championship on. And we are going to bring, you know, a perspective of, you know, going into the inside baseball, the coach's film room of the Megacast, awesome. right? So, the, the, you know, if you are a relatively new player, you know, you probably want to watch the main broadcast. But if you've been around for a while and you've enjoyed, like, going deep into the details of these card choices and you want to have that kind of focus during your day one, right, to really get into, like, how are these decks playing? How are these players thinking? Like, what are the really deep cuts? Then we're going to try and do the deep cut thing as much as we can. Yeah, and it, and it, and it may be something that if there's a great match that you watch, um, you may want to go back and watch, you know, watch, you watch the stream, uh, super talented people doing that, putting on a great show all the time. Um, but you may want even want to come back and watch the stream uh, later and find some of those key matches and see V really break down... Um, what, what he would do sitting in that seat and what's going through the mind of a Hall of Fame Magic player as they tackle uh, the game on the biggest stage against, you know, some of the toughest competition in the world. So uh, you won't want to miss that. And uh, if that's successful, we, we, we may try to do it again a little bit on Sunday. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, so there you have it. That's yeah, our Mythic the, Championship 7 preview. Yeah, one of the advantages of doing a co-stream and not the mainstream is you don't have to go... <laughs> the whole three days straight through. Because it is so exhausting. Yes. It's a big commit. <laughs> so we're going to go for, you know, we're pretty committed to doing you know, the first six hours or so. And then we'll see how we're feeling. Right. We'll see how many people are watching. We'll see if the matches are what we hope they will be, what I expect them to be. And we'll see when we just want to stop look, and go to dinner. Let's be real. We're going to stay on it until we see someone playing Niv Mizzet Reborn. I mean... We're not going to stop after, necessarily, but again, if they don't get to Ken in time, it's their fault. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. That was our Mythic Championship 7 preview for Zvi Moshowitz and Brian David Marshall. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Top 8 Magic, and we'll see you somewhere soon. Bye.